Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast, uh, volume 10, issue 472. And we are doing a podcast on DNF, did not finish or did it. Duke Nukem Forever, it's here, it's been around for ages and we're going to talk about it. Um, listener warning, we might get a bit um, heated and excited on this podcast, not in the ways that Duke Nukem would want you to be, but in our own special way. So we might be swearing, um, one-off kind of we're allowed Leon's let us say the um, the, the words that are naughty, uh, but only in like, you know, restrained context. So we won't be just be effing and jeffing for the sake of it, but there were probably times where we will get a bit, you know, angry is probably the word I'd say. And uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not, not to uh, foreshadow the show too much, but we are talking Duke Nukem Forever, a game which is, you know, quite well known at this point. Joining me in this adventure uh, and, um, in issue 472, as I said, is uh, Brian Edwards, an American man. I am gosh darn excited to talk to you about this heckin' son of a gun. And also joining Brian and me is Leah Haydu, an American woman. <sighs> I'm here. Hi. Yep. <laughs> and just down the road, down the corner, Tony Atkins, a, a British man. Yeah. Forever, forevermore, <laughs> I'm going to introduce people as their um, location and gender. Is it important to this game? I, I, think, <laughs> I think so. I don't Can this game work across American, borders? Is this, is this oh, what no. you're asking? You know? Do I actually, just by nature, have the most in common with Duke Nukem? Like, just I by... you yeah. are actually cousins. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Okay. You know, everybody It's everybody in America, uh, we are all related. Um, so yep. there's... Yeah, it's... We, we, we all know each other. Um, also, we're all from Texas and carry guns. So... <laughs> like in, like in the Italian movies and Italian American movies, like everyone's an uncle and an aunt, and that. oh, Uncle Chuknukum, eh? all that stuff. Yeah, is that good? No, okay, um, let's move on. That might be mildly offensive, but that's okay. <laughs> so is this. Game. I've watched The Sopranos. I've seen it many times. <laughs> I know what happens. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that rubbish. We're here to talk about other rubbish. Uh, in the name of Duke Nukem Forever, uh, Duke Nukem Forever is an action-oriented first-person shooter. Players take the control of Nukem as they navigate through a series of levels which take place on Earth and beyond. The game allows players to interact with various in-game objects, including urinals, water coolers, whiteboards, and um, more. Yeah, we'll talk about the more later on in the podcast. This is kind of a sequel to Duke Nukem 3D, although there is a better spiritual sequel out there called Iron Fury. It used to be called Iron Maiden, and they got, you know, taken down. So it's <laughs> called Iron Fury, and it involves a lady with guns, and it's much better than Duke Nukem Forever. Spoiler warning, we have a plot line. <laughs> yeah, we have a plot kind line. Kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Are you ready for this? The events in Duke Nukem Forever take place about 12 years after the conclusion of Duke Nukem 3D. Duke Nukem is now a, a world-renowned icon living in a penthouse of a Las Vegas casino with his casual partners, the Wholesome Twins. Anyway, yeah. So the game begins with Duke sampling a video game based on his past heroics, followed by a scheduled interview with a talk show host. On his way to the show, Duke Nukem witnesses a news broadcast on a nearby television screen announcing that aliens have once again invaded... <gasps> Unlike previous encounters, the aliens initially appear peaceful and at first seem to pose no harm to the humans of Earth. Duke's talk show appearance is cancelled to allow television stations to cover the alien invasion. So Duke retires to the Duke cave, because of course he does. Anyway, so before we get into what Duke Nukem Forever entails for its kind of five to six hour you know, campaign, which felt like 12. But um, yeah, I just want to kind of give you a brief, and I want us to talk about briefly... The kind of the development history of the game and were you excited for what was it that what came before on the many engines that the game uh, you know has been well known to be on 
they're like the game first appeared on like a quake one engine then a quake two engine and then so on and so forth and you know the, the idea of feature creep i think it's the first time i even heard the, the phrase feature creep um, yeah i think me too being yeah. used so you know was you on the 3d realms forums at the time was he the, the phrase wid when it's done was that kind of like in your phone history you know predictive text kind of thing there wasn't <laughs> i don't have a phone back then but you know what i'm saying was it in your brain as like a thing that you were excited for because i know i was i was definitely on the 3d realms forums listening to um joe siegler is it and george brassard they were just constantly kind of like you know everyone was demanding kind of well, we want more from the game where's this shoot nuclear forever and they were just like wid and you were just like oh, okay cheers you know cheers for that and um and you know and soon enough i did lose interest because oh, i ain't waiting around well forever oh. uh, but yeah anyone else interested in like the kind of the long protracted development history or did you kind of just you know see the early days and just bend it off until it came out or what, what what's your histories with the game is what i'm trying to say now let's go with leah first so I have not played any of the other Duke Nukem games. Um, so this was not really something that I was especially interested in. Uh, given the time frame that this came out, though, I was podcasting around then. So I probably would have um, like been following it in just a, a, a casual uh, a casual perspective, if nothing else. Um, but yeah, I... I, I think even without a, a deep knowledge of the game itself, the fact that it kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back. I mean, it was it was one of those meme games, right? Like it mm. was it was one of those. It's never going to be done right up there with Final Fantasy 13 and The Last Guardian, both of mm -hmm. which have come out now. But, you know, it, to varying degrees of success, depending on who you ask, much better than this one. I would say you would probably be hard pressed to find somebody who didn't kind of place this one at the bottom of the list. Although I'm sure they exist. Um, I, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do not really have a history with this game um, beyond having played it for the show, um, which mm. I thought would be funny. And I, I, I guess, I mean, you could argue that it kind of is. Um, it, so yeah, there's a, there's that for you. I I did not play it then. I did play it now. In uh, if we're do if we're doing our actual uh, full histories with the game, um, I can tell you that my playthrough, my single one and only playthrough of Duke Nukem Forever, um, I I really stacked the deck against myself, uh, and I kind of did this on purpose because I knew that that this was going to be kind of a a a slog for for lack of a better term. Um, I, I and. You know, I hate to say that I was going into it without an open mind because I did try to like this game. It's just it made it very difficult. Um, but I went in, um, I played it on PlayStation Now. Uh, it is not a game that you can download on PlayStation Now. You have to stream it. And for the most part, that worked out pretty much okay. But then when I was playing the last couple of, of levels in the game, um, I, I don't know whether it was the time I was playing it. I don't know whether it was something about the service at that time. But my connection just was not happy with me so there was a lot of um hitching and just buffering and it was mm. it, yeah it, technically it was kind of a hot mess uh at that point um but i also uh it was also after my uh second vaccine shot so i was um on the couch with um thankfully very mild um vaccine symptoms <laughs> um but that that was what i did while i was uh recovering from my uh my my side effects was i played duke nukem forever on a bad connection so um yeah wow the best I, way I, to experience it 
yeah, I, I, I really just wanted the full, like, just just mess me up, man. Just kick me in the <laughs> teeth and, and hand me this video game, I guess. <laughs> All the doctors recommend. Duke Nukem. Yeah. That's, that's how you <laughs> take your mind off the fact that you have a fever and, uh, and your arm hurts is by playing this game. Good work. Brian, I, I, I imagine you to be more like me in that you were kind of feature creeping yourself onto the forums waiting for... Yeah news and stuff like that yeah i told i totally was i think i told this on the duke nukem 3d uh uh mm. podcast but the uh the the only time i any gotten any significant trouble in high school is when i installed duke nukem 3d on the the lan at, at my high school so we could play uh, each other across the so i was a huge duke nukem 3d fan at, you know i was at the perfect age for it we talked about that back then and and also this like watching this game develop was kind of in like the early stages, not of the Internet itself, but of me using the Internet on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So um, so I was pretty active on those and, and reading up on things and eventually just lost interest, kind of like you, Darren, because it was just taking <laughs> forever. And um, and yeah, so I think I just really fell off. And then when it kind of got reformed and, and and kind of like went through its development, hell through cycle to cycle, and then it kind of like. It looked like we were at a point where this game was never going to come out. Then all of a sudden, Pitchford and Gearbox get involved, and, and all of a sudden, this game's coming now. Like, I went from, like, mildly curious to, like, like morbidly curious to then just, like, I don't know what I was feeling about it. Um, I never planned on picking it up day one. I saw the early reviews and decided that was a good idea. And I think I, I picked it up at a GameStop for like, for, like, eight bucks, like, a couple years after it came out. And I put it in and I played the first mm. two levels and said, man, I don't know if I can do this. And then uh, <laughs> then this year's podcast volume came out and I was like, OK, I'm going to we're, we're going to do this. So um, I, I put it in and to, to play for the show. I'm not sure when, probably somewhere in March, I started playing the game and um, knocked it off in very short chunks <laughs> over mm -hmm. the course of a few weeks. Yeah. Tony, what about yourself? Was you uh, a Duke 3D fan? Because you wasn't on that show. Um but yeah, you're a 3D fan, and was you feverishly waiting for forever? No, I'm actually wondering how I ended up on this show, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, I put myself down as we have a, a big list of games that, you know, we would be half interested in covering or or whatnot. And one of those things is you can put yourself down as Amber, uh, which is like, yeah, you know, if nobody else is playing it, then I'll be willing to play for it. <laughs> but apparently there was nobody else willing to play for it, so I'm playing for it. <laughs> so that was fun when that came on the schedule. But no, actually... I mean, I we talked about the meme of it, and you know, I wasn't there day one. You know, I don't have a, a long legacy of Duke Nukem. Obviously, I know the character, and I know you know the quips and jibes and stuff like that. Like, you know, that that stuff is in game and lexicon, so that's not you know anything new to me. But um, I was always fascinated by the feature creep. You know, it's there's been many games over the years that have you know had feature creep, but when it mm. when it gets to twelve years, yeah. And you hear the stories and the stories were leaking a lot over those those 12 years of just, well, they've moved engine again. And like, you're like, how are they onto their third engine? Like they're trying to you know capture new technologies as it as it come up to make it relevant for the modern day gamer. And it's like, OK. Um, So I've always been fascinated by it from a distance. But, you know, when there's so many, so many games to play, you know, Duke Nukem Forever isn't one that, you know, comes to the top of the list very often unless you're just mute, uh, morbid curiosity as already mentioned and or find yourself on a podcast talking about the game from nowhere um but here i am you know i i've i've played it over the last week and put in i don't know 
seven, eight hours. It, it felt, mm. yeah, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd <laughs> no, but in in that way, like I'm, I have yeah. always been fascinated by it. You know, the cover, mm-hmm. the you know, the kind of the memes from it. You know, just a discussion around it, and obviously by this period, it's actually a relatively old game in itself. You know, after chasing many many years of trying to catch up with technology, you know, I'm playing it now in, you know, 2021, and um, you know, it's already ten years old at this point. So it's yeah, you know, it feels old by today's standards, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so as I said, I was definitely, uh, you know, creeping around the forums, just trying to hoover up any bit of information. I remember being a GameSpot, you know, member during E3 times and kind of it was drip feeding kind of this, um, you know, this footage of Duke Nukem running around very quickly, very quake-like in terms of its movement, swaying, you know, strafing and all that. And kind of all these kind of people were talking to him, which was quite unique for the time. There was like NPCs talking to him uh, and then it kind of, it disappeared and came back using Unreal and it looked shinier, you know. There was like a, a, a female, kind of like a nurse type, who got attacked by a giant octopus or something like that. And I remember thinking, okay, so they've, you know, they've upgraded the graphics to keep it with modern times. And then it just kind of fell off. It, I didn't really know what happened to it or maybe I got bored or maybe Half-Life came out or, you know, and I got, I, I, other games happened and I just thought, you know what, whatever, I'll just leave it to one side. But then it came out. Uh, as we just said, about 10 years ago to the day, which means I received my copy on my birthday 10 years ago as a 28-year-old Darren, you know, obviously excited to play whatever Duke Nukem was going to happen, whether it was good or, or not. Bright-eyed and innocent. You didn't know. <laughs> I remember the phrase I used on my old podcast. I said, what's old might be new again. And I kind of regret <laughs> saying that because how wrong I was. But yeah, um, in the lead up and the things around Duke Nukem Forever's kind of release release i can't help it every time i say something it's just it's an innuendo and it's duke nukem's fault um yeah um but basically there were kind of um, promotional materials as they do on the internet on youtube and that and some of them were you know they kind of say it all duke nudum was a um an adobe adobe flash shooter game originally released in may of 2011 as part of 2k games viral marketing campaign for duke nukem forever the game originally appeared on boob tube a promotional duke nukem forever website that has since been shut down and um yeah Darn. You know. yeah we can't actually do that um you can't do do a podcast on duke nudum unfortunately but you never know it might resurface and there was also what would duke do kind of um some pre-release clips of like um like a choose your own adventure sort of thing in a way you know like oh duke nukem does this and you know what would you do if you were duke nukem and there's all these hilarious answers and basically it's just a, a cutscene from the game that they've managed to chop up into little kind of moments for you to choose from you know it was fine duke nukem never comes early of um, a video <laughs> announcing another duke nukem delay because you know the game kept delaying so they thought they'd start trying to be funny with it and you know the phrase duke never comes early obviously has its own pun there so if you want a broad idea of what to expect from the comedy is what i'll call it from this game then you know that that's kind of a a good place to start but you know we'll get to the um the comedy in a little while but first we're going to give you a few bits of information on who made the game 3d realms um you know obviously started development and then right at the end gearbox triptych and piranha games all pitched in to make well you know the game i i, I can't believe it took this many development studios to make what happened in the, in the end but yeah it was um the directors were brian ekman and george brassard and the engines it ran on were quake one quake two and the Unreal Engines as it evolved before our very eyes. Um, yeah, again, George Broussard was quite 
famous or infamous i never know the difference between the two and at some point he was just sounding off he was just absolutely just sounding off on um websites like just just slagging everyone off really like he was never to blame for duke nukem's delays or duke nukem forever's delays it was always someone else's fault or you know the publisher's fault or that person's fault and it was just like okay i give it a rest uh, but yeah, it did release on June the 10th, 2011, and I was a lucky boy, and I got it in, in the post a day early, which means it did fall on my upcoming birthday. Uh, yeah, so nearly 10 years old to the day. Hey, woo, I'm great. <laughs> I can't believe I played the same game uh, 10 years later. Woo. Um, yeah, so uh, the game's ranking average is 52%, and according to the sales um, firm NPD, it sold about 377,000 copies there or thereabouts in its first month. However, in an earnings call in 2011, Duke Nukem, uh, no, not Duke Nukem, although I'd love to see Duke Nukem state about his own sales on his own game. That'd be great. <laughs> Take two stated that Duke Nukem Forever would prove profitable for the company. Yeah, sure. After 12 years of development, I'm sure Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that, yeah. that seems wrong. I, I mean, I, I don't, obviously I have no idea what, what they what their uh, eventual sales were or what they were paying or as the case may have been not paying their employees, but that can't be right. Like, I'm sure I, someone mm. lost a lot of money. It might have been profitable for take two, but, Maybe. I'm, but I'm, I reckon George Broussard was yeah. probably like Scrooge McDuck, but with holes in his pockets. <laughs> yeah, know? that's what 52s. I was wondering. Was like maybe take two itself. Like was it be like, Maybe. oh yeah, we yeah. did. We we made twelve dollars. You know, so it was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine the the process as a whole. Who well, I, mean, I don't. Yeah, who knows. It's not like it's an indie title of two people working on it. Was it over those that period? I mean, I know when you say twelve years, quite often when you look at, oh, there's a couple of years of just you know, you know, sub development before it even gets into production. I think after twelve years, it's safe to say that it was probably in production for a good eight or nine of those at the very least. Mm. And it wasn't two guys in an office just putting Duke Nukem together. It feels like it's a big team that have well, the credits go on for. God, like 10 minutes. Yeah, they really end. do. Um, so you know, maybe that's the thing. All those maybe people got to get paid. Maybe it was actually two guys in an office, and they're just trying to make us <sighs> think it was a bunch of people so that they don't, I don't know. I no. that that I, I I had a point there, and it, it kind of got away from me, but um, the, the point is that, yeah, it's not good. Maybe we're the idiots. And yeah, maybe. maybe everyone yeah. made money. But we're the idiots for spending money. We lost money buying Duke Nukem Forever. Well, I always got. I did not spend money on this game. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I did. I spent. I, I take that back. I did buy a 360 copy. Um, it was a pre owned copy, almost brand new. It was $5, and I got reimbursed for it. So wow. there you go. <laughs> Time was also money. We can't give you that back. Uh, I have to say though, uh, <laughs> upon upon the release, I think to me I was actually a little. I was I was happy that the game had finally come out. You know, there, there is something. You know, it didn't matter necessarily how good the game was. There is something about a game being stuck in development hell and somehow still managing after twelve years to get out the door. You know, and it was. Mm. I remember it seeming like a huge risk for both Gearbox to be you know, kind of jumping in and getting involved in this, but it, maybe at the time it was just. It's just like, look, if we can do anything and if the game is even close as a release date, let's just get it out the door. Let's stop the mean. Let let it be out for the fans of Duke Nukem. And, you know, I, I think I'd rather that than it just you know, just disappeared. You know, although of recent time, we've seen quite a few games just kind of find that their source code is out on the Internet, um, you know, just from you know fans or old developers like, yeah, no, this is what it is. So I think at least it did get a, a physical release for the wider world to see, even if it is, you know, a polished turd. But, you know, mm. it is that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I don't think I've seen a limited edition go down in price as much. Balls of Steel <laughs> Didn't edition. Carl buy that? I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think he's like eventually s- bought the Balls of Steel edition. Quid, I'm going to say hundred quid, right? And then like within like I don't know, like two minutes of it coming out, it just went down, and then I don't know. I reckon I could have found one underneath a bin somewhere at some point <laughs> if, I, if I looked hard enough. Yeah, the, the Balls of Steel edition is kind of a well, a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Really, even the name suggests kind of um. A lot, even though, you know, Duke Nukem is well, I mean, it's, it's, we, I, I know we said we were going to talk about the humor later, but just to kind of circle back on that, like, I, I, I don't, this is not like my sense of humor necessarily, but like, at least I guess they have, like, they're consistent, you know, like it's, it, they do what they do. And I don't, for my taste, they do not lean heavily enough into the "this is kind of dumb" thing. <laughs> they, That's they, the, yeah. it's almost very self-serious in a lot of ways. Mm. You know, like they, oh, it, look, it's 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 boobs. Aren't those funny? Boobs, boobs. Yeah. They're on the wall. You can you can slap them. <laughs> um, slap the wall, boobs, because that's funny. <laughs> they hear pick up pick up this this piece of poo off the floor and throw it at something that's that's funny right do you get it yeah because because it's funny <laughs> i i kept having to check with myself i was like okay look i'm not laughing but is this game for me you know this you know <laughs> i clearly didn't buy this on on release so this wasn't a game for me in the first place i'm coming into it 10 years later you know not with a an alternative motive to hate it but you know it's not a game i would normally pick up to play within my game in lexicon so i'm already on the back foot but you know talking about recent time i, I recently did the star trek a bridge crew show and that wasn't a game for me either but i grew to love that game because it was really interesting and fun and you know had lots of little charm to it but this one it it never it never enveloped me in the same way that, that did but you know i was willing at the outset to give it a go but then so many times i'm like okay well if i was a teenage boy you know is this having me on, on <laughs> in fits uh, and i kept having I mean, to maybe. go yeah, I, maybe yeah well i mean for, for me personally i am you know i have been known to be immature in my time you i have, don't know if yeah. you know this and i do like no. a good knob jag a good turd joke and stuff like that <laughs> that's the problem but, though these aren't good knob gags yeah, these are bad exactly. so like yeah, or there ga- or there gags that ha- have been directly lifted from so many different forms of pop culture, which is something I'll talk- I'm sure we'll talk about later. But like, like most of these bad jokes aren't even original bad jokes; they're recycled bad jokes. Which, like, mm. I don't know. Like, like well, I, to, to Tony's point, when I started playing it again, and I I, I had that moment of like I'm getting into it. And I'm like, how bad can this actually be? You know what I mean? Like you hear everything about <laughs> it and last you just hear the entirety of the internet just shit on this game for a decade, right? You know, so like, yeah. like this is the one, one of the worst games ever made. You're like, okay, this can't be, it's not Superman 64, right? It's not unplayable. Like, let's let's take a look at this. And it's not unplayable, but in all the ways that I had heard that it was bad, it never failed to disappoint me in that regard mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I just, it just... Every time it has an opportunity to make the wrong comedic choice, in my opinion, it does. So, like, yeah, it's it's something else. It's kind of a shame because I don't think the premise is actually bad. Like, yeah. I, I the the premise of you know, oh, oh it's a washed up, uh, you know, hero from you know, oh, like this this overblown, um, you know, champion of everything, you know, comes back for like one last mission. I mean, that's an okay premise, I think. You know, even I think where it goes south for me, and you know, obviously this is just kind of a a, a me thing, but I it is where everybody is still reacting to him as though he were 
still the same dude. Like, it's not everybody going, oh, yeah, okay, hey, Duke's back, yay. You know, everybody is genuinely excited and genuinely wants him to be Duke. there solving their problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of these women are all over him. All of the men are like, oh, man, I want to, you know, the women want him, men want to be him, uh, genuinely. And I don't know. I, I I can't tell whether, like, if I were a bigger Duke Nukem fan, that would land better for me. But I would have preferred something where, yeah, maybe he is 100% unironically into this, but the rest of the world has, like, moved on, much like the development history of mm -hmm. the game had moved on in the massive amount of time that it was being developed. That so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that would have made it better for me. That I think I, think I would have preferred that kind of tone to it, but... Yeah, but the thing with Duke Nukem 3D, as you know, as a fan of 3D and some games beyond that, is that the Duke Nukem was always the worst part of the games. Like he was never like, "Haha, Duke Nukem's so cool, man!" Yeah. Like, "Oh, I wish I could be him." He was always just this kind of, in a roundabout way, like he was just like a, a, a shit Mario. Do you know what I mean? He's just a vessel to make things happen <laughs> yeah. around him. Yeah, like Mario yeah, like is is a, is a person with a mustache and a hat, right? Great. Duke Nukem's just a guy with muscles and a gun. Yeah. But Duke Nukem just seems to be every time he opened his mouth, I was just like oh, he's saying stuff and it's not that great. Whereas the, the game in Duke Nukem 3D was. Like, yeah, oh, I really like so, Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah, so like Duke Nukem 3D was, the reason you played that was not to hear Duke say Army of Darkness quotes. It was because, <laughs> you know, the pipe bombs bounced in an, in giant quotation marks now in 2021 a realistic way. Like, there was a destructible environment. It had mm -hmm. interesting places where that had secrets. The way that, like, the rocket launcher reacted and flying enemies and the, the difference in locale, like took all those things you loved about the first person shooters of the era and just like made them a little bit better, feel a little bit better. Like that game has a lot of things to look back on and be like, wow, it doesn't necessarily feel as wonderful now as it did then. But that game did a lot of really good, neat, cool, interesting things. And this game seemed to just lean wholly on the people love Duke Nukem. It's like, no, they didn't really. Don't, don't you also think it's a game like juxtapositioned amongst itself? It feels like, you know, you've obviously got the developers being told to make a half-decent first-person shooter, which, you know, at times, it's actually not a terrible first-person shooter. I have definitely played worse. Um, and then you've got these comedy elements that sit alongside it. And it's almost like you can just see as a developer probably sitting there going, okay, well, you know, we've made some you know, half-decent gunplay. And here come the comedy crew. And oh, what you also need to do is put some titty mags in there. And here's a dick joke. Here's a glory hole for you to uh, to do an animation for. And, and like every time I was like, I'm just starting to get into the combat kind of uh, flow, flow of the combat here. It would just come crashing to a halt as they just shoehorn a terrible joke in. Like, well, this mm. is what people are here for. They're here for the jokes. And at every opportunity, I'm like, God, I wish the jokes weren't here. I'm here for the game. And it's just really weird to play because I don't know if I'm playing a game. If you say it's 12 years delayed, am I playing a game that was designed for a 20, what, 2002 audience? Am I playing a game that was designed for 2007? Like, mm. Eventually we get to 2011. Well, clearly it wasn't a game that sat in 2000. I mean, it, for instance, like Bulletstorm was, wasn't, you know, like a few months after this. If you're talking about a game that combines both quips and daft humor and whatnot, perfect, right? That, that would be like the absolute, but, you know, Duke Nukem's nowhere near that level of, you know, interactivity or fun. So, really I'd odd. I'd rather have been playing Bulletstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Within, uh, actually, we'll go to the visuals later on, but there are parts of Duke Nukem Forever I thought, this just looks like Bulletstorm, but like, <laughs> you know, rougher and more outdated. There are definitely um, 
there's a connection there that visually that like, I couldn't really put my finger on 100%. Maybe it's the Unreal Engine, I don't know. But but while we're talking about the so-called comedy in Duke Nukem Forever, let me just whiz through some of the things that I've I've played and I, I noted on our Slack channel just so I could get a bookmark <laughs> of all these things. And just as you, the listener, because we've, you know, we've played it, people might not have played it, weirdly. Let me just go through a few things, right? So the pipe bombs, when he sets them off, it goes, but in like a bleep car, kind of, you know, like you're unlocking a car dog. Kind of funny. The Devastator weapon account, uh, weapon ammo count is 69. Ha, because of course it is. The magazine found in the cubicle appears to have a semen stain on it. Um, You know, there's there's no explicit imagery shown on the magazine, but if you get it in the light, there's like a, you know, Okay, I think it's yeah, kind of a butt. Sort yeah, of. it is kind of a, yeah. This is where, for me, where I was actually a bit offended. Uh, you can use a vending machine to get cigarettes out of a machine. And in England or Scotland or Britain, we, we, um, we call them fags, right? And you can smoke a fag and you can do what you want with one of them. But in Duke Nukem Forever, you, you, you know, there's like um, the imagery on the packet and the word fags to me was just offensive like mm. you, you can't do stuff that's like that. definitely yeah they were definitely going for the the haha this is funny no yeah they were because they were yeah. the using they were using the term fag as a derogatory term for homosexuals is what they were doing yeah, yeah. they weren't they weren't yeah. using it as a as a as a um as a accepted cultural term for a cigarette that's not that's, no, that, that's right. that was not the intention there it, it never was you can't say that at any level this game was developed it, it just like it's things like that that just may uh yeah okay sorry I wonder if that is something, or at least that they would say that it is something that was put in early, um, because I'm I'm not about to sit here and tell you that this was ever (laughs) acceptable, but what I will say is that fewer people were perhaps willing to call it out in the very early stages of development. Like, you Mm -hmm. are far more likely to see this kind of joke in popular culture or something you know like that in 2000 than you are in 2021 you know what i mean or or in 2011 for that matter so i i just i wonder i wonder if that was a thing or if they at least tried to make that excuse for it being in there like ah you know this is that's just how games were back then like it's you know you you can you can make that joke and it's 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 yeah it's funny it's funny right like people will appreciate that no it's it is uneasy and and to Leah's point actually earlier it was like well everyone seems to be in it but it it still leaves a weird taste of my oh god i can't even do that um it still, <laughs> just run with it, man. Okay, just it still run leaves with it. a weird taste in my mouth you know just walking around and you know having god it makes me sound so like a, a in uh, like a goody two-shoes but just you know objectifying women women in this in the way that the the game does you know and it's left right and centre and everywhere it's just like they are pieces of meat every time you see a woman in this game it's a piece of meat for you to either ogle at or make some sort of sexual innuendo towards mm-hmm. and like yeah the, the French again, maid in the in the penthouse literally you can press ask, X to ogle that's that's like a yeah. that's a command you can put in the game like so cool. it just it, that's just but once it again, is what it is I'm stood there going well okay this wasn't a game for me and I'm like well as a developer, they're sitting like, who are they aiming this for? I, what rating was this game? 18. There we go. I'm looking at yeah, the box. This, I mean, it's funny that this is 18 now because <laughs> it's, it's like, mm. um, but I, I don't know. You know, it, it doesn't make me feel uneasy. It's just one of those ones I'm playing it. And it's not a game that I can play in the background with my children walking around. And it's not like, oh, mm. boobs. But it's just the way that every single time you know, they're being objectified. I'm like, you know, I don't want my girls to, to see this yeah, as a, a yeah. thing. You know, and it's, and it's just, 
you know, back to that, well, like I was saying, I was playing through, it's like, you know, one of the quests is, is to find a dildo and a condom and what's the other, and, uh, uh, popcorn. Popcorn, yeah. It's just, how do you forget the popcorn? And it's like, uh, and in, the, in that same level, you know, you can interact with a glory hole. It's like, fine, I suppose I didn't need to do that. I didn't have to interact with that, but, you know, there was that part. But it, the whole animation of him literally having a, God, well, he must have been like, it comes in about four seconds. So, you know, that tells you how great uh, Duke is in that scenario. He does a thumbs up as well. Of course, yeah, he does and it, thumbs up himself. It, yeah, it just, and, and maybe in 2011, it, it may have not hit me in the same way, but just certainly in, in 2021, I was kind of sat there going, God, I'm glad we've, we've, you know, we've moved on from this. And I don't think that's just me, you know. So, so like this is, so I'm going to run, run like the risk of, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say this. Like I, I'm, I'm not against the portrayal of sexuality in any no. medium. You know what I mean? I'm not against sex. I'm not against seeing sex portrayed in the pop culture that I consume. And like I'm I, I am no one I nowhere consider myself prudish at all. But hmm. it just it serves zero actual purpose and what mm-hmm. it really does and I think it, like in the context of Kane and Rince looking at this game, it detracts from any positive element of the game. And I think, Tony, you said it before, I can't remember if it was Tony or Darren, um, that like, you know, just when you felt like you might like you might be seeing something that mm-hmm. you could say positive about this game, it'll smack you in the face, sometimes quite literally, with the with the trio of green wall boobs and or a thing on a loading screen. Like I'm I'm just looking at the show notes here. Like like at any point where the game can like redeem itself as a video game, it's like yeah. there's another roadblock like this in the way that just like, you know, like just kind of leaves you wondering what 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 yeah. was yeah, the thought and, process and, it, and even like some of the just the, the box standard you're walking around a level and you're coming to a door that clearly looks like an anus and you're like okay the joke is it looks like an anus that's not the thing that praised on that yeah cool right and, but as you walk through the door it goes oh she's a tight fit and it's like yeah or could you also he tickles it, it to open it tickles it. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like ah oh, like did the joke was there already. You didn't need to go that one step further. And once again, I objectify. Think... I guess, like, yeah. we get it. It might be, I, I mean, th- this, this is where I come back to it might be actually legitimately funny if they were portraying him as, like, the washed up, you know, yeah. uh. has been. Like, oh, look look what he thinks is funny. It, he thinks it's hilarious to <laughs> right, make these yeah, jokes yeah. about butthole doors. Like, mm-hmm. But no, they're, they're playing it completely straight. And that's the part that gets me. <laughs> Yeah, if there was a guy like on the other side of the door or like somebody walking with him, Duke does that, and then you just hear the guy go like, "Duke, are you fucking serious? Like, there's aliens. Yeah, that'd invading. be brilliant. What are you actually. doing? Yeah, but no, you don't have that. Said, you have the guy on the other hand side of the door being like, "Yeah, Duke, all right, do it, it again." It you know, does. Like, it does seem like you know since this game has come and gone, everyone's got better ideas for Duke Nukem than, than what's already happened. It's just, it's just a shame, isn't it? Because you could make a kind of a funny, a, a funny game with Duke Nukem in it. You know, as a self-referential kind of you know, oh, I'm really that person sort of thing. And, you know, he really does. But there, there is a moment in this game where he does criticize himself when he picks up the turd on the floor. One of the first <laughs> things you do is pick up a shit. And Duke Nukem's like, oh, really? And you're like, well, yeah, yeah, you made the game. You can't put something in a game and then tell the player off picking it up. No, that, that's There not- is a tool tip, uh, one of the, the loading screen tool tips. It's something like... Um, we uh picking up picking up a turd does not decrease your That's ego right. even though we really wanted it to wanted it to yeah it, it should have like that would have been funny if he picks it up and they're like oh well yeah we put that in there but, but look what it does to you like mm. i i don't know 
wouldn't yeah, have saved the game, but it would know, have been can, something, maybe. You can chuck it around and it leaves kind of uh, shit stains on the floor. And, you know, that that's fine. It's funny in a, in a way, but Conker's Bad Fur Day did it better. Like, Conker's Bad Fur Day did poo in a better way. Like, it, you know, you, you roll it up and you, 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 you feed it down a big poo mountain and you fight a giant turd in the, mount, in the mountain throwing toilet paper. At it. Like, you can do funny things with poo. And you know, not a conversation I thought we would be having, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) To your point, actually, like Conker's Bad Fur Day is a prime example of a game that is actually legitimately funny, even though it's right on the edge of taste, right? Yeah, and that's yeah, a good Conker's few years before. It doesn't get it right all the time. No. Conker's d- d- does go over the edge sometimes. They go, oh, does that sunflower need giant tits? But then they were probably still better tits than what Duke Nukem Forever had. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like the problem with Duke Nukem Forever for me is that the joke. It, it, it's, it's in the wrong world like it doesn't belong in this realistic looking environment because it doesn't go the next step it doesn't sell the joke as a as a thing you should be laughing at instead i just end up just going what well why is he doing that here like it doesn't make sense for him to do it here because the, everything around him is so kind of self-serious like we said before and duke Nukem just doing these things these interactions within the world that make him look sh- just make him look stupid and kind of outdated and unfunny you know he, he kind of he, 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 to me, he seems like he's just kind of, I don't know, just, just not right in the head. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but he's just like, why would you do this? And what, and, pe- and why would people go, wow, what a cool dude? Like, there's a bit in the game where you're, um, you, you're shrunken down, and the mum of this kid who you met earlier, who you write in the book, you know, obviously everyone drew a dick in the book and left it behind, but um, yeah, um, the, the mum's like, oh, I'd know where I'd stick him, and you're like, what? Like, would you really like? And but and like that joke is probably more like there's a better way of telling that joke, you know, in a in a different world, in a different environment, like a more cartoonish kind of environment, sort of similar to Conquest Bad Fur Day's, you know, cartoonish, unrealistic depiction of a world. But Duke Nukem Forever is like, no, this is deadly serious. There's a war going on, and you know the people around him are you know real life humans. You just think, no, like. They, I kind of wish they'd have lent, leaned, lent on to kind of a more cartoonish, wacky environment to, 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 to be in to allow these jokes to even flourish a tiny bit. But they don't. They just stick out as just, well, a turd. All of them. They all stick out horribly wrong. And uh, I, there was not a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, no, that, it, that I like that bit where um, you play a whack-a-mole game and, and the mole or the alien pops out of... Uh, various body parts of a female and then if you get the high score the lady wanks the alien off and his head explodes like an ejaculating penis like no no there's there, there's a better way of telling a joke about ejaculation and i, I just think every time duke nukem does or duke nukem forever does something it completely just falls on its ass and um yeah do you think do you think there's a period in time when duke nukem forever comes out and it hits that note that you know they were going for you know it are we looking at like 2002 and people going hey yeah no that's that's kind of relevant you know that's cool or is it just it was always destined with that kind of humor to always just not land in in you know but as more as time gone on it's obviously the joke becomes less funny there are probably there are probably people who legitimately find this funny and i i mean more power to them you know (laughs) i i i i don't know any of them but but i mean you know it's it is subjective and i think it's important that we say that it is um and i i i think that 
it's probably a, at least partially a time and place thing. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if this is what you were asking, Tony, but I, I think that, yeah, I mean, if if this had come out closer to when it started development, then maybe it would have gotten a better reception. Um, maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe everybody still would have looked at it and gone, no, this is still bad. But I, you know, it's, it's, I, I think that's probably responsible for part of it. I don't know that it's necessarily an excuse for the whole thing, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that's, it's worth considering. I think you mentioned it before, Tulia. Like there, there was, and that in no way to make it acceptable. Um, but there was, you know, if you go back and watch some like very popular comedies from not even the early two thousand, from like the twenty tens, and like uh-huh. you'll get like half an hour in and be like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. like whoa, you know, like it's a, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, how how just you know yeah. a you decade tried watching will go by Friends and... lately or like Sex in the City. Yeah, exactly. There's some stuff. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) So, yeah, so maybe it would have. Yeah, maybe maybe it would have landed better there. But I I'd like to think and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm giving my 20, you know, 27 year old self or or even 17 year old self too much credit. But I I don't think I would have found most of this funny to begin with. Um, It really leans on the wrong. It's like they learned all of the wrong lessons from Duke Nukem 3D for me. Like it's leaning on all the things I already kind of thought were ridiculous and even as like a, a kid you know in Duke Nukem 3D like yeah oh yeah you're in the strip club and you press the button and the curtains open up but like it it never felt this like over the top and in your face about any of it um very very strange decisions I think yeah um you know uh I've kind of lost my, my my own train of thought now with this whole kind of comedy thing because it is the game is just relentless with little moments of just me going ah oh. and you know even as like a thirteen year old person boy you know adolescent there were there were games like Legend Suit Larry that I didn't find funny mm. and Postal I didn't find Postal funny yeah. yep. you know um I, I found games like Grand Theft Auto funny because it was more of a satire you know the, I just think Duke Nukem Forever for me personally as a comedy. It's just not clever enough. And, you know, I was, I'm all for rude, immature jokes, just as long as they're maturely told. You know what I mean? Like, it's just treating the player like an absolute idiot. Oh, yeah, look, there's a turd you can throw. You must like that funny because you're an idiot. It's just like, no, 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 no. You, you like, there are moments in, like, we mentioned The Sopranos earlier, but there's there's moments in The Sopranos where it's completely toilet humor, like, you know, like outrageously funny, but it respects the person watching it or in this case the the person it doesn't respect the person playing it and i think once you've kind of you treat the player or the viewer like an idiot then you're kind of already on a back foot and duke nukem just does that duke nukem forever i should say does that quite <laughs> a lot for me but let's go on to a forum post by Letty. let's get some levity into this because it's uh, this one's quite funny uh, some years back duke nukem himself aka john sent john came to my city for a convention being part of the media team once the convention was done i'd I had the opportunity to share a beer with the Duke himself. Absolute legend. Anyone who who has had the chance to meet John may be aware that he enjoys playing prank calls in a character as Duke. At that time, one of my good friends had recently completed Duke Nukem Forever only the previous day, so I was thrilled when John took my phone, put on the voice and asked him what he thought. Said friend obviously didn't believe for one moment that he was on the phone with the man himself and proceeded to tell John exactly what he thought (laughs) of Duke Nukem Forever. I've never been so embarrassed. It got to the point that John dropped the character and rather facetiously stated that at least... The game purchase was helping to put John's kid through school. Upon recovering my phone, I had to inform this now ex-friend that he had been on the phone to the genuine <laughs> article. 
I've never heard someone turn their opinion around so quickly. He begged me to tell John that Duke Nukem 3D was his favourite game ever, but it was far too late by that stage. To this day, he lives in fear that he made an enemy of the Duke. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything against the the actor. Like, I mean, he he did a fine job for what was written there. You know what I mean? Like, I he mm. I, that's not where the problem is to me. Yeah, I mean, if you compare hid the voices in Duke Nukem 3D to Duke Nukem Forever, it's it's Duke Nukem. You know, he mm. and Duke Nukem's appeared in games in between and around and added on, and you know, and it's always been the same kind of tone of voice and delivery like yeah wherever you know what we don't know is kind of the people behind the the computers and the the microphones what they really think makes Duke Nukem funny and obviously like we disagree with what they find funny and does John St. John believe what he's saying well, in terms let, of like let's face know? it they are given the script and say can you read these lines off he doesn't know they're not going to be used in in any way you know in context it's just like oh sure yeah I mean it sounds like a stupid line but yeah you know but like, the frame of this I is always probably kind cool. of wonder <laughs> yeah i always kind of wonder what like i mean if if an actor in this case it, he just like does he really think that this was a good game like i, I mean he you can think that your performance in something is good and be satisfied with it or even, you know, regardless of what you think, you know, you're you're bringing home a paycheck and that's that, you know, you do you. That's that's I can't fault you for that. But like, does he think that the game is good at all? I, w- I wonder. Mm. Eh. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, Duke Nukem to me is kind of like a, a poor man's Mario in terms of the actual what the character's delivering. But Charles Martinet, when you see him out and about, he is Mario, right? He's like, yeah, Mario is you know number one, and he gives all the voices, and you can just you can feel the energy off of him. You know, John. Well, that's John... because Nintendo literally owns him. Like, <laughs> they have is. a chip installed in his neck that will explode if Miyamoto pushes the button. So, Ooh. so maybe George Prasad has got that on John Saint John because you know, I mean, I, never know, if I was Duke Nukem, the voice, I probably would. Doing, uh, do, do the same. I, you know, I pick up someone's phone and say, "Yo, I'm Duke Nukem. I can't do the voice. I'm not going to do it." But yeah, um, have someone. He's probably yeah, just yeah, happy you, you not know. to do recalls. Like there, there's a you know uh, second level in the game where he he he's one of his lines is, um, you know, "Hey Duke, what's the game any good?" And he goes, "Should be. It took two, uh, twelve fucking years to make." And it's like, yeah. you know, so clearly that was a very you know new line put into the game, and it makes you wonder actually, like what came where like was that a scene added in very late like did gearbox have something to do with you know developing that scene to try to tie some context to something like i'd love to see just having that kind of list of which level is which you know which level was back from 2002 has had like a huge amount of work done it and which one was brought in right at the last moment to try to kind of tie some kind of narrative maybe the narrative wasn't like this at all and in fact this was like a really late game thing to give it more relevance because the gameplay felt dated and that stuff's probably there it could be there it could be an entirely different game in 2007 than what was delivered in 2011 because they were like well you know we now need to make this an utter parody to at least get some sales if people know that you know we're being risque then maybe we might make you know another hundred thousand copies sold or, or maybe it would have been you know tied to more strictly I mean, i'm trying to give it the benefit of doubt here i mean people work with me but <laughs> you know there could have been you just don't know with a game delayed this yeah. long it could have had so many different faces and this is the one they just landed on because they're like, well, it might just distract from the, um, you know, the really relatively kind of archaic game design at this point. I don't know. 
Just imagine, for, for that quote that you just said, after 12 years, it fucking better be good, or something like that. Imagine sitting down and having the product, you know, if it was added later on, which you, you imagine it was, because it's, you know, in context. Imagine sitting down with the game you've got and going, do you know what we should put in? We should put a line in at the start <laughs> that says, this game better be good. Because that, all, that, all that does is just raise the bar for the player. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, if Duke Nukem's saying this game better be good... Then obviously my my expectations have just gone. Now the unreliable narrator. That's yeah, it's a clever yeah. design. I like well, to imagine like John St. John just getting a call in like 2010 from from the development team and be like, "You guys still working on that? Like, are, are you seriously?" <laughs> they it would this game would really serve well to have kind of like the no clip treatment. Mm. You know, what I mean, to like a mm. like a real historian's look at like how it all came to be. I just don't think it would ever happen. No, um, I think especially they're far with, too kind of yeah. precious about it, or aren't they? They're, they're no yeah. one's really willing to come out from behind the curtain and go, "I remember," because you know you're um... the game industry is a small place, man. You know you can say yeah. some stuff and not get another job just because you said something bad against Gearbox. You know, or, you know because yeah. they were at the end. You know, difficult indeed. So let's kind of move on to the visuals and the audio and kind of the, you know, and then the general gameplay because Duke Nukem is Duke Nukem Forever is indeed. A video game that you can play you know so some people might like it some people might not and uh allegedly. i want to know yeah allegedly i'm um, what you think so the, the visuals for me right playing it on an xbox series s <laughs> with backwards compatibility like more often than not like it looks pretty decent you know you, you put a game on like say i'm gonna say rare replay and you put perfect dark on which is an xbox 360 game it looks kind of sharp nowadays you know like the xbox does a really good job of kind of making everything look decent for the telly you've got and the console you've got Putting Duke Nukem Forever on, I was just like, oh man, the only benefit I got from my Series S was the short loading times, because I remember those loading times being super long back on the 360, yeah. and luckily it wasn't. Uh, can, can confirm that they are atrocious for PlayStation now, and I don't <laughs> think that that was completely, that was even when I had a good connection going on, um, mm, yeah. they were they were bad. Yeah, I was really, I was lucky enough to be playing on uh, Xbox Series X, and I had the same thing with you, Darren, because like, like it would load pretty quickly, which which was really good for me during some frustrating game sessions, you know what I mean? Like, it got me mm-hmm. back in there quicker than it would have I might have walked away otherwise. But, like, it, everything kind of has that, like, like that, that mid-2000s shooter haze to it, you know I mean? Everything's just, like, a little bit fuzzy. It, like, almost always looks like fog's just about to roll in, like, anywhere you are. Um, but, I, but all things said and done, the interior environment's really, uh, compared to... Other shooters of the area, I don't think of the era. I don't think they're that bad or anything. It's not. It's certainly not like atrocious or or horribly outdated. Um, I mean, it shows its wear and tear, and obviously, like the, the a lot of the levels may not have like the 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 loving the love and detail like to the, the things around them. But I think a lot of the explosion effects, the um, like the way that kind of uh, you know, I, I was I'm obsessed with video game fire for some reason. Like how oh, these flames look, they, they look pretty good. Um, the 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 rockets explode in in a nice way. Um, so yeah, I I, I think that I might have I even mildly surprised with with how it looked. Um, on a positive sense when I played through. Yeah, I I played the the three sixty version via Series X back compat, and you know, like everyone, load times. Thank God. I mean, they were still relatively longish, but you know, <laughs> they they were obviously cut down. But yeah, it's. I think the original resolution was 720p. So obviously, you know, it's trying to. What I will say is, I, I, when do you know I sent you that video of the glory hole? Just, just you know, is a. Did you ever see this? Um, that was from the PC version, and I, I was taken back by actually the PC visuals looking 
a hell of a lot cleaner and more refined than the 360 one, which makes sense, of course. But, you know, that I looked at a few more videos and the PC version is definitely, you know, it's a better looking game. But on the 360, it's, you know, visually it's it can be rough. But like, I don't know, it's it all looks like it should do, if that makes sense. Like nothing really sticks out. Like it's not too angular, like the, the internal of the buildings are fine and you know, the water levels and very much of the time, you know, somewhat a bit dark in some areas, but, you know, that's for a, I say that, like, there are some amazing games that are, and amazing visual games that released, you know, in 2000, you know, after, or before 2011, um, that absolutely blow this thing out of the water, so it, I think it shows on its sleeve some development issues over a period of time, and, you know, it's not a pretty looking game, but, you know, from, a, mm. from playing through it, it's it's perfectly fine, perfectly serviceable. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of uh, like the focus is on why you're there. Like you're not necessarily there to look at the Duke Burger Vegas skyline. I can't believe that's a sentence I just said out loud. <laughs> but um, they uh, like you're there, for, you know, for the for the moment to moment gameplay of it. And, and that I don't think looks too bad. It's when you start kind of looking at the the, the product on the whole, you, you, you just see uh, the smears and the rough edges and stuff. It's a shame, isn't it? Because it, 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 for me, it feels like a game that is hampered by, you know, years of engine changes and, you know, assets being moved across from place to place to place. Because none of it really kind of... Like, when I play Duke Nukem 3D, I am there to check out the kind of the madness around him in terms of what's happening. You know, you, you rock up to a place and, you know, maybe the novelty factor in 2011 had worn off when you do walk up to a kind of a a place that looks like a fast food restaurant compared to Duke Nukem 3D. But, you know, I I kind of want to inspect the areas that Duke Nukem 3D offered, whereas in, in, in Forever, I was kind of put off because the world didn't look that much intriguing to me. It was kind of, the game felt very linear in that respect. And I didn't really want to poke around every corner to find the secrets like you would in a Quake or a Doom or a Duke Nukem 3D because the environments just weren't doing it for me. And then once you kind of, I can't remember what other game I was playing around the time I was playing Duke Nukem Forever again this year. But man, like even like 10 years ago, doesn't seem that long in my head. But the game looks older than 10 years ago. And I think mm -hmm. that is because it's kind of, it's held back by, you know, the history that the game's got. And if you want to go back, you know, or if you want to go online onto Google and kind of do your own search for that, because we can't really talk about the development history here because it just goes on forever. Hey, forever. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, I just think the game's just unremarkable, unremarkably looking. It doesn't do anything to make you go, "All oh, right, maybe, maybe there was one bit that kind of impressed me was when the um, you're in like a mine cart and you have to like get in it. Obviously, <laughs> kind of Duke Nukem, um, not Duke Nukem, Donkey Kong Country style. You know, you don't you don't platform in this mine cart, but it all happens automatically. But it looks kind of smooth and it kind of the way he kind of tumbles out at one point because the mine cart tracks were all messed up. Like, I thought that was a, a decent-ish looking place, but otherwise, like, all the guns just look so drab. The enemies just, they, they look like they were actually copied and pasted. Like, the pig cops in 3D, right? They look cool. You know, they sound cool. You want to blast them and, like, and the aliens, you, you know, you, you in Duke Nukem 3D, when you shoot them, they animate and they kind of, you know, blood gushes out. In this, they just seem like they're just... I don't know, like they're just nothing. They're just there to get in your way. And I didn't really find any of the enemies or, or the weapons that you're using kind of that enjoyable. I was just kind of just using ones that I had, you know, one of the two that you've got because all of a sudden the game's turned into Halo. Again, another feature creep kind of thing where, oh, you know when Duke Nukem 3D, we can hold loads of guns. Yeah, 
How about we take that away for the second one? Oh, okay. Well, why would you do that? Oh, because someone else did it. Uh, okay, George. Uh, do you know that's kind of like <laughs> that's been holding the game back for so yeah. long? Cause... And that and that's amidst them uh, having a a bad joke about Master Chief's power armor right there mm. in the game too. <laughs> you know, yeah, and Dead Space, bullies. and yeah, and yeah. Borderlands as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I never quite got that either. It was kind of frustrating where you know you'd get the the Ripper or the the one uh, laser cannon, I can't remember the name of it. Um, the AT laser, maybe like where the the ammo is pretty sparse or pretty, um, you know, hard, you know, hard to find, and you run out really quick. And then it'd be nice to just like, oh well, I'm gonna bring up the wheel and I'm going to, um, I'm gonna, like, go over to the shotgun because I know for that, or I have the pistol, or like, you know, oh maybe I got a few pipe bombs. But you do really feel like you're working with a, uh, you know, like a half-assed arsenal kind of thing yeah you know there are other things like so interactivity is a thing with the Duke Nukem series and you can do it here and like I say I didn't really want to poke around too much with the world but there were some like awful bits where you interact with kind of it's scripted in this case but the bit on the ele- on the lift the elevator and there's a woman screaming at you to stop the elevator and all you're doing is pressing the right trigger just to go just to put the brakes on this lift that's careering towards the ground I just found it so tricky. I don't know what was wrong, but like I found it really like there was no kind of um, feedback from kind of other than the lift slowing down. But I couldn't work out what I was doing wrong to stop it from smashing into the floor. And I just kind of just found my way through it by pure luck. I couldn't really work out what to do. And, you know, like, you know, and I get it. They want to have some like some jeopardy in, in, in the world. And, uh, you know, and some, you know and, and some fun interactive moments. But there were some god awful bits where I just thought to myself, how did this even kind of make it past test? Because it was just like, just not fun. And just this woman screaming in my ears. And like, there are other moments where they were like, um, you know, like to briefly move on to the audio. When you're in the alien kind of the level with all the alien goop and, you know, all the kind of Giga-esque looking stuff. The hive. Like, the hive, oh man. Just the, the the pure amount of moaning going on in the background was just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my well, God. Well, essentially like, it's just... women being raped by the aliens. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. it's what, 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 what a great way to. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's the, but that's the problem, right? It's and he makes a quip like, "Well, somebody's having a good time," and it's yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to get through that level, of knowing really what's going on. But I mean, to to your point, I mean, this I think this plays both into the visual and gameplay. Like, it feels like an, an engine, and I think this is where maybe some of the feature creep comes from. It feels like an engine that is just over so many different. Uh, years of ideas like in one hand it feels like a real old school kind of um yeah almost i don't know um duke nukem game in the way that it's it's very uh, apartmentalized like you you have a uh, a level set in water you have a level set in the alien world you have a level set in um whatever it just feels like it's very broken apart like these are the levels you're doing here and here and yeah, they try to tie it together with some some dialogues and scenes, but it, it feels very much like a game of ideas that somebody got to work on one section of the game and like that was their thing and it mm. got forced in there and it's like, well, that makes sense. But it in some regards, like I actually didn't mind some of that. Like I haven't played a game where in a good few years where I've messed around driving an RC car around the level to kind of interact with the world. And 
that's nothing new, but it, it reminds me of kind of the, a lot more old school gaming of that time. It's like, well, what else can we do other than just first person shooting the narrative? Well, let's add a few other ideas. Let's, you know, let them have a, you know, a, a kind of a fairly interesting shrinking and puzzle design and change the world up and that way you know let's have a swimming level which are always terrible and this was terrible in this game as well but let's have an rc car level where they do this like i kind of like the fact that it was that old school like oh wow they're actually using what feels like a custom engine and having fun with the game design but at the same time then that goes back to the visual design where it's you know it feels like they had to make an engine that allowed them to feature all these different ideas in and they couldn't then refine it to a point where it's a good looking game and i mean thinking about 2011 there's so many other i just had a quick look like what was this up against in 2011 even from just first person shooters like battlefield 3 came out portal 2 gears of war 3 without the same year dead space Mm. 2 uh, Bulletstorm and Rage, Crisis 2 i mean you think about those games and what they were doing portal 2 was 2011 holy and they put this fucking load of horseshit out. But do you, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so if you look at what the hell? if you look at where that oh, game lands in twenty eleven <laughs> against those games in particular, you know, it's just some of the biggest shooters. Like you go, whoa, wow! It it was out of its depth. You know, it was a game that wasn't yeah. designed to come out in two thousand eleven. It was a game in both its visual design and its gameplay design that was in. I mean, I'm I'm reluctant to even say 2007 because I'm thinking, oh, Bioshock came out in 2007, Bioshock, yeah. like Portal. Right, yeah. like, oh my, like there's some amazing first-person shooters in that. So, so then yeah. I I pull myself back even more and go, well, okay, was it a game in like 2004? Like, are we in that period? And you know, you're into that kind of, well, Half-Life and Halo existed, and yeah. oh my god, yeah. what amazing games they are. So, but you know, beyond that, like. There was times I was playing this and I was like, this is kind of neat. You know, I haven't played a game, kind of an old school first person shooter that, you know, has kind of gone a bit more off kilter with that kind of game design because it's actually just not game design that many people follow for the modern day shooter. So I am going to have to take a contrary opinion to this a little bit. Uh, It's... If you're going to have, def- definitely if you're going to have this number of different mechanics in your game, you really need to make sure that you have nailed down your basics first. And for my money, Duke Nukem Forever did not do that. I hated the movement in this game. It felt floaty. It felt unpredictable. It felt unresponsive. It just felt bad. And the the worst example... Uh, and just if you'll if you'll cast your mind back to where I was talking about when I was playing this, maybe maybe this was partially my fault, but um, <laughs> I I don't think that it was entirely my fault. So I'm gonna blame you. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> it was. So the 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 best example that I can give you for this um, is the level in which you are in the Duke Burger and you have to do a series of platforming. Uh, bits Mm -hmm. uh because you are in a um that it's it's like a kitchen and it's flooded and there's electricity going through the water so if you fall into the water you instantly die um i had such a huge problem with that level i was stuck there for i i don't know how long i should have kept track of how long it was um but it just i (sighs) 
So, for the most part, I did not have have huge problems with, like, dying in this game. I, I played it on whatever the easiest difficulty setting is, and... Or no, no, actually, take that back. I played it on normal, but still pretty easy. Um, oh, and, do the difficult you know, settings I, have... Do they have a terrible, like, punny... Name? I'm gonna look yeah, that they, up. They oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah look, look that up, because okay, I don't I will. remember sorry. it, but sorry I, maybe to derail I just the story. repressed it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, no, it's, it's okay. That, that's pretty much what the story is, is that I just... There is a section I can I can see it in my mind. There is a section towards the end of that. It's it's like one of the last two maybe uh, checkpoints, and the checkpoints aren't too bad for the most part, or at least I didn't find them to be too bad for the most part on the key occasions when I did die or or need to redo something. Um, but here there was just a section where you have to like jump off of one of the shelves and then you jump onto a body that's on the floor mm-hmm. and. If you miss that body, you instantly die, and you have to redo a section of the 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 uh level that just I could probably do it even still right now. I could probably do it and get up to that point. I just for some reason the jumping mechanics just eluded me at that point to where I kept either overcorrecting or second guessing myself, and I just could not land on that fucking body in the middle of the electrical water <laughs> and i kept dying and i okay. died a lot and i in context I did a lot of yelling i wasn't trying to say it was a masterpiece <laughs> i was trying i was <laughs> well, trying to say true. i think i went into this game thinking it would be quite linear first person shooter and i was relatively surprised mm. by the amount of external stuff they allowed you to do. but it's... i mean i admire the moxie i guess if 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 they had actually pulled off the mechanics in those different levels then it would have been a different story because uh, you know it is it is cool that they i will i will concede that it is cool that they put some of the um like like an rc car section and you know shooter section and like an on rail section and platforming and whatever it's just that i did not feel like they pulled it off to a point where any of those were really enjoyable except for maybe the shooting there's even they, a, there's even an adventure game section. We haven't talked about Duke Nukem's Titty City yet. Should we do yes, that? No. Um, where um, you have to go look for um, a vibrator and a condom and uh, what was the third thing? Oh, a bag of microwave popcorn. Everyone always forgets the popcorn. Yeah. I don't I know why. the popcorn. Yeah. That lady's yeah. hungry. I don't yeah. blame her. They, She's doing hard work. <laughs> so so I completely agree with you when, when it comes to the movement in the game. I think the movement is just um, awful. Um, and, and I think it's really highlighted in those platforming sections because there's there's a fair few of them where they make you do those things like the one that i remember that i had just as much trouble with as it sounds like you had with the that section is your i want to say it's it might be duke burger as well or it might be in the casino i can't remember but there's like a model of duke nukem in the middle of a bunch of buildings and you have to press mm. the buttons yes. to make the building level change and you have to change duke's arms to basically make him do kind of like a like a in like a like a angled T pose, so you can run up his arm and get on to the next level of the balcony. Yeah. And I tell you, I got to the part where I was on the lat, I was on the tip of Duke's gun, and I had to make that jump to the balcony. I missed that, that. Oh yeah, explicit tag. I missed that motherfucker uh, a lot of times. Um, I won't do too many gratuitous swears, but I mean, it was one of those things where like, I thought that. I looked at that thing again. I'm down at that little control panel. Like, is there a way I can make it go further? Am I screwing it up? And I wasn't screwing it up. I was just mistiming the jumper or, or like, 
at at some level, it was my fault. I'm not trying to blame the game for my bad play, but like it was one of those things. Where it was like I did everything. There's not a whole lot of feedback. Is is no? Maybe it sounds no. like what my problem and your problem may have been yeah. in our respective uh, issues there. Also, yeah, there's like no mini map, which is, does does not uh, qual- which does not actually directly relate to those things. It's just something that I personally uh, <laughs> like to have in my games, and I'm disappointed sometimes when it's not. That would that would have been uh, another two yeah. years of development. <laughs> oh, Jesus, probably. <laughs> um, I would have liked Duke Nukem's Titty City to have a mini map. Um, that would have been that would have been useful. I know. That well, that way you can tell where you've been and which which yes. uh, staircases yeah. uh, connect to oh. which parts of it. Um, oh, yeah. God. So. So yeah, so and so anyway, that that whole platforming section really really got me. Anytime I wasn't just shooting the bad guys, like was a time where I genuinely wasn't having that much fun. The only exclusion to that, and this is where this is my one big positive thing I have to say about Duke Nukem Forever, I l- legitimately unironically enjoyed the driving sections of the game. Not <laughs> not necessarily not the mini RC car, but the mighty foot sections at the end of the game. Where you're on the highway and you're just blasting, like the physics are so like wonderfully broken in those sections. Where if you hit one of those aliens going full speed, they will just fly off into oblivion to the point where they just disappear. I wish I could have done screen capture on my um on my Xbox Series X. It wasn't really working that well, or you know, for backwards compat, you can't just hmm. uh, hit record. But I was just blasting aliens off into oblivion literally laughing out loud hitting the boost going over those jumps the only parts of those levels i didn't like was when you were forced to run out of gas and had to go find gas for the, the that's truck that's what i was gonna say yeah but but the <laughs> like, actual yeah that part was really fun but yeah. then they stop you like they're like oh you're <laughs> having fun. fun well fuck you then get off the car <laughs> yeah like yeah, okay so, yeah i i but i but i unironically no joking about it maybe maybe also because duke really wasn't saying a lot during those sections it might have been you know but but i was really like i've i've super enjoyed just driving around in fact to the point where when so i i was looking as i'm sure some of us did i was wondering about three hours into this game like how many levels do i have left am i gonna be Uh able to do this and i looked it's like 19 levels i'm like oh no but like six of those last 10 levels are all just the driving levels and i that third act if you can call it that i really did enjoy those parts of the game and like looked forward to them when i got the gas back and i and i and i was able to get back in the truck i had a lot of fun driving that so i think physics wise i i really did enjoy some things about this game it's just it was just disparate from when i was enjoying it and hating it oh man like the the driving bits for me no it wasn't working and i can't (laughs) i couldn't shake the notion that it wanted to be highway 17 it was just like this wants to be Half-Life 2 so much. It wants you to get out the car and look for some petrol like Gordon Freeman does when you But the thing with Half-Life 2 in the um you know in the Highway 17 when you're in the buggy is that you you go out pretty much by and large voluntarily because you want to see what's in the houses for survival, do you know what I mean? Whereas in Duke Nukem it forces you to go out and get the petrol and you know yet you know the actual driving of, of the monster truck I didn't find it that exciting. Maybe the, the squashing of the enemies was fun, but I just wanted to just when when there was a moment where you had to get over like a r- ravine or something and it just didn't work much like you with the statue and the climbing of the arms like i'll go off this ramp and it would just completely just flop at the last hurdle and just i oh, need to go back into the hole and go around again it's just like this game is just trying to be a valve game and it's just not working and you know and that is kind of represented in like around about the middle of the game when the game starts throwing physics puzzles at you and it just wants to be Half-Life absolutely through and through. And it just kind of, every time it tries, it comes across as like, 
no, you're not as good as the games that come before you, and it just sticks out like a massively sore thumb. But I'm always a sucker for when you're tiny Duke Nukem or a tiny anyone in a, in a in a normal world. Therefore, it's a massive world. I found the levels, those levels, to be my most enjoyable when you're running around like a kind of a, a fast food kind of fryer, you know, cafe sort of area, jumping on spatulas and <laughs> dodging around the oil and stuff like that. I found that to be Again, maybe because of the aesthetic of being tiny in a in a in a land of regularness, like maybe that was why I enjoyed it. But I found those bits to be the most enjoyable because it's kind of novel. But overall, you know, the the, uh, the there was never a level where I just thought, yeah, Duke Nukem Forever knocked it out of the park. I was just like, nope, that's just not yeah, as well, good as what I've played before. The, those highway sections may have uh, been better for me because. Um... I've never played Half Life Two. Am I still allowed to be a gamer? And you played, like, and you played Duke Nukem Forever. Is the other? Don't tell them. Yeah, I know. I know. I might have to. I might have to get ahead of this one on, on Twitter or something <laughs> to say, "Hey, just so you know, extra, extra, a Duke Nukem sized Megaton bomb dropping." Um, so I didn't. I hadn't experienced that exact segment, but um, I could definitely see that being frustrating because of the other games I was comparing Duke Nukem to while uh, Duke Nukem Forever, should I say, to um, while playing through it and getting frustrated that it wasn't those games. So. Uh, yeah. I'm still mad about the Portal 2 thing. I'm going to be <laughs> mad about that for a while. Somebody should not have told me that. And you just said you I haven't played Half-Life 2, 2 either. Just... We should do that, I guess. Um... And think about the humor in that game. I mean, but... <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the Junica Forever, it has kind of... It, it just tries to be too many things and it kind of fails in, in, in doing, for me personally in being its own thing. Like it's got regenerating health because, you know, shooters at the time did, but that took away from uh, what made uh, 3D ego, so good was the med kit you carry around, right? Yeah. And you know, his ego bar is your regenerating health. And every time he does something that excites Jute Nukem, it kind of, you know. Expands. Yeah, expands. and absolutely. There's, and no, there's no, there's no prompting or signposting or anything for any of those moments. I remember, I think it was just the one, I think I just played a game of pinball and like I got done with the pinball, and I heard this screeching guitar riff, and it was like, yeah. So you hell you yeah, didn't did. interact with the world <laughs> like, enough. I mean, I I ended up with yeah. Max Ego because I I was like every I was picking everything up because it was like, oh okay, what's this? What's this? What's this? Play play a game of pool, do some pinball, you know. Yeah, exactly. uh, Play the alien invasion game, do the titty bash. Yeah, that was terrible. Um, you know, just mm. lots of you get ego for beating bosses, etc. Like. I'm I am a sucker for game worlds that do a little bit more than just you know making static environments. You know, you even think by today's standards, you look at something like, um, oh god, the title has gone from my head. The big game that was a failure, Cyberpunk. Thank you. Cyberpunk. There you go. You know, Cyberpunk. One of its criticisms, you know, it's this massive world with nothing to do in it. And you know, I, I I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but you know that I enjoy those elements of the game where there is something a little bit more i mean of course then that's added to glory holes picking up titty mags you know um along along the way so you know you you take the rough of the smooth but the fact that they they go out and do some stuff at least gives it an an edge of trying something different and, and once again i just think it's a game once again that has two completely different narratives running you've got the development side of a team trying to put together a competent first person shooter and you've got you know the writing stroke comedy team that and trying to inject Duke into into a project, and I think if you separated the two, I'd be fascinated to see what the. I mean, it wouldn't be a good game. Then give me. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh yeah, X X Man Forever. I don't know, <laughs> make a different name was was brilliant, but I could see it just coming out. People going, oh yeah, some neat ideas, and just you know drifting away again. Where this comes out and ends up having you know that kind of good God, it's 
it's all over the place and it you know it's offensive in the ways that it doesn't need to be and all that stuff and then it kind of distracts the fact that the game is okay i mean it's, it's probably six out of ten right the actual gameplay for a, for a game of that ilk you know i've played some absolute horrendous games which this is way more competent than but i haven't played a, a game as incompetent in its storytelling and humor as this in a very long time so it it inherently actually brings down the you know the main chunk of the actual enjoyment the main game has you know I, but like brian i enjoyed the driving levels like brian i enjoyed the the mini duke levels and i i quite enjoyed the fact that it was an old 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 school style shooter but i was always left baffled by how this game came about being what it was over a period of time and you can't help but sit there and critique it i mean it's partly our a remit for the show is to critique it but you know even from if i wasn't here i'd be going okay well that reminds me of something from you know the early 2000s and that reminds me of you know the typical kind of Uh you know thing of that ilk you know how's it do there and it doesn't stack up particularly well against really anything but i think you know there is some elements of it that are better than others you know in terms of like comparing it to other games and stuff this game does do a lot of things that other games of the time are doing so like but if it's not for me, it's not achieving what Duke Nukem 3D did in terms of playability. Well, yeah, it's it's got a sprint button, but Duke Nukem runs out of breath within four <laughs> seconds. Yeah, it, there's a toolkit thing which is not knowing near as well utilized as what it does in the previous game. You know, the jetpack's missing. It's used in the scripted secret in the scripted sequence once. You can use it in multiplayer apparently, but who's playing multiplayer on Duke Nukem Forever? Not me. Um, you know. It, and he can drink a beer to make himself tougher, but he gets, you know, more than tipsy on one sip of beer. Like, if if Duke Nukem was the macho man that he thinks he is, surely, you know, and his muscles and his legs and his, I'm Duke Nukem, I can run forever. You, you think, <laughs> if you were making a Duke Nukem game, he would run forever. Like, that would be funnier than this kind of old, blonde, you know, mm. macho man, kind of Hulk Hogan-esque looking dude running out of breath when he turns a corner. It's yeah. like, no, you're Duke Nukem. If you think you're as cool and macho as you as you think you are, you know, if you are that character, then surely he should just be legging it around at the speed of light, like in Duke Nukem 3D. Like in Duke yeah. Nukem 3D, he could just bomb it around and nothing really mattered. Yeah, it felt in like forever. he was on ice skates almost the whole time. He's just he's just yeah. like just sliding through every level, in, in not not in a bad way in, in Duke Nukem 3D. No, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Very you'd say, and I think that you look at like now and Darren, I think he brought this up earlier. Um, like we could, we have now the the context to view this in the lens of like 2021, where games like Ion Fury have come out and um and Dusk, for example, Dusk, like yeah. where where you're like these are now games that are trying to emulate that very specific style of the Duke Nukem 3D, your mm. your Dooms, your and and you realize the things that they do so well. The reason those games are successful and popular is because they recreate that feel, which you just did don't have from any game these days. Mm. It, it's 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 very clearly its own thing. And Duke Nukem Forever seems to not take any of that into account when when figuring out how to like to physically have Duke move around this world to the point where like it becomes like frustratingly limiting and and where you start thinking about oh well at least this part I get to the shooting I'll have fun and like like it's not anything like that like like some of the fun of those boss fights from Duke Nukem 3D was just like strafing around the enemy going feeling like you're going 100 miles an hour to get out of the way of the rockets yeah. and like this one like mm-hmm. you're getting behind cars and like the and the and the enemy is just the oh what is it it's the battle lord right they're just kicking cars down at you and like you can't find cover but like you, you're not mobile enough to stay away from it it's just kind yeah. of this race of can i find devastator ammo fast enough 
to th- than what my health is going down. It's like it's but, crazy. But you but you win the fight by punching him in the testicles. Is that not? Are you not amused? <laughs> are you not amused? <laughs> Again, like Conker's Bad Thursday did it better, where there was um, a brass kind of boiler. And you kind of you, you lower the testicles of this boiler <laughs> and you clang it together with two bricks because it's cartoony. Yeah. It's funny. It's kind of it's it's taken away from the realism of the real world and it's put it in a cartoony world. But Duke Nukem actually like realistically punching a giant alien in the testicles like behind like a piece of cloth or whatever. Like no, it just didn't work. You know they could even add like a little kind of boxing style ding ding but noise and all that. It still does. It's still not working to for me. Brian's, but I th- I think actually it's a game that thinks it's actually create creating that legacy rather than actually trying to emulate that legacy. It thinks it is the bee's knees, or at least it did when it went into production. It's like these are a bunch of ideas that are going to change, like Duke Nukem did before. It will change the way the industry thinks of us, and through development of hell, it comes out and it's you know it's tonally all wrong because it's not doing anything it's just it's just caught in kind of that that hellscape of like it's not anything it's you know, at, you know i've played a lot of terrible games and but when i think about it well it was developed by two people you know i'm I'm sat here thinking how many people you know had some sort of interaction it's like how did this get through you know some of the playtesting you know some of the ideas in here get through playtesting or you know how many people did didn't see that how dumb it was or maybe they did and maybe that is why it got delayed like like i'm not sticking my name to this like we can't release it in this state and eventually somebody you know randy pitcher comes like no let's get this thing out the door let's make back you know i can see us making back a little bit of money here but maybe it would have been better just actually to to let it just slip past and it you know it, it was a game that plenty of games have been made almost to completion and the end result wasn't what you know, the developer or the publisher wanted it and they don't get released. And, you know, maybe there is something to be said for that, actually. <laughs> this kit maybe just needed to be buried and, and not put out to the world. Yeah. I don't know. And and maybe maybe this maybe this oversteps and maybe this isn't part of our purview in this in this uh podcast, but the like I can't separate some of this humor, some of these decisions from the fact that the 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 company and the person that that kinda had this game in their hands right before it went out was 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 Gearbox headed by Randy Pitchford, and I think that that has been seen in the years since Duke Nukem that that things at that company have been pretty problematic, and some of the humor in the Borderlands games as that's evolved has been seen in kind of a very similar light, you know. So maybe it's not as surprising with historical context as it maybe was at the time. Um, again, Randy may- Pitchford does seem like somebody who would find this extremely funny. Yeah, and like I know that gets into like the David Cage converse- styles of conversation, right? And you're like, yeah. and you're trying to talk about the game without talking about the personalities involved. And and I think mm-hmm. in this case we've done that pretty well. But it does lead me as as just someone who reads games news and follows these things that think like, oh yeah, like Randy Pitchford's the one on that last delay video like explaining like oh wait it's delayed again like making a joke of it and thinking you know so like seeing that sense of humor kind of imbued through the whole product doesn't necessarily come off as a surprise to me but i did not know that at the time it's all mm. now viewed with a historical lens but yet so think of other games that have been in development how yeah you know, i come back to the last guardian like that that game has technical issues without doubt there's some camera stuff some you know it's that mm. isn't great and it feels like a game that is stuck in a slightly different area but it has heart and soul like there's there's something there that they were working towards and they couldn't quite get all the technical stuff together and clearly that's why they just kept on delaying it like now we'll work this out but it's not going to happen 
let's just get it out there and I think our community will understand because, you know, it's got heart and soul. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other really long delayed games. Shenmue 3, Shen- right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, once again, like a myriad of technical issues really with Shenmue 3, mm. but at least had some kind of heart. Like, this comes out and it, it has, ironically, I don't think it particularly has that many technical issues. Like, it doesn't, by today's standards, it doesn't crash the, dash, the dashboard and all that kind of stuff. Like, it functions probably as is. But the thing that has its technical issues is the actual heart and soul of the game, which is, you know, it's it's not there. So, you, like, amazing actually how when I was playing, it was like, oh, just God, like, <laughs> this is what all this was about, was just to get this out the door. Um, where I wasn't I wasn't yeah. with that with someone like Last Guardian. I was like, oh, wow, well, you know, it's a shame it couldn't have been more polished, but, you know, thank God it actually got out the door. You know, I, I don't know what's kind of worse for like you know gearbox swooping in and kind of saving this like like to to put your name on something that's obviously a lot, a lot of it was already made by the time gearbox came in and they just kind of i'm guessing but i reckon they kind of they just stitched it all together and made it work and put it out the door so a lot of the kind of the humor and the in the gameplay was already there uh, i think gearbox triptych and piranha games just somehow just managed to go right through brute force yeah. we'll get this out the door but to, to but to stick your name on to it like that it kind of like more like a flag waver for like it just it just screams like he's doing someone a favor and he's like you know what uh you know the, him being randy pitchford but then you hear about like the stories about you know the um the usb drive and, that, and you just think maybe like he genuinely thinks it's a funny game and right and you know and everything that Duke Nukem does he stands for and he he, he supports it so therefore he's going to help wasn't, out his buddies at 3D Realms to get out wasn't of the, the door. story at the time though they they were trying to do this thing where they got it out the door and they they were hoping that they could then build upon it like you know it would come out they would have some hype it would it'd be a the hit the way maybe they thought it was and then they could take the idea and you know move it forward I mean, I remember that at the time, know, just, and obviously it just it never worked out like that. You know, they got too caught up in Borderlands, etc. So, hmm. I, I do honestly get get confused between Junicum Forever's development with Gearbox and Aliens: Colonial Marines. <laughs> like both of those games, to Same. me, yeah. at some point they just kind of yeah, go, remember all those problems you yeah. had with these two games. Like, yeah, like it just they, they definitely cross over at some point in terms of like. What were they doing? Like, you know, because Borderlands had come out and it had been around for a couple of years and obviously the second one was in development or in some sort of production. And like, by or by and large, Borderlands probably saved Gearbox from, you know, complete kind of irrelevancy and Borderlands 2 even more so. And Borderlands 3 still sells to this very day. So they, they are able to make games of quality, whether you like the content within it. Is, right. You know, yep. Totally. Is, is subjective. But they are games of that are held into high regard and, you know, and they're making a film out of Borderlands. So Gearbox do have some kind of quality about them, but then within the space of two years, they kind of, they, they put their name to this. Uh, again, it, it just screams as a favor, like George Broussard going, I need this. out. <laughs> like, I need this out of my head. Can you help? And then, yeah. And then they put out aliens, colonial Marines a couple of years later and you just think, Oh, really? <laughs> Come on guys. Like, I just don't understand. So the um, I, I don't understand development at all. But why would you kind of swoop in at the last? It's like, isn't it like of... the venture capitalist? Isn't it? You see something, you get it for an absolute song. You know, the other person just wants it off their hands, willing to sell you almost for nothing, just to retain some cost. You throw it out and hope that it's going to be a success. You know, by the sounds of it, it was a success to a tune of let's be generous, half a million copies, which you know actually for them probably made probably turned a profit. But you know, its legacy is 
is problematic years after you sat you know they were like in mm. in 10 years time they'll do a cane and rinse on this and we'll get a real kick in like <laughs> you know i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, I might be being a bit jaded and cynical, but I, I just reckon he he helped out a buddy from the past, I think so. and it was also a good excuse to have a, a launch party at Hooters or something. Do you know what I mean? I can just see Randy Pitchford going. Well, if that means I can go to medieval but, times again, I, then I'll well make you. But that would make sense game. then if they just went like in that in modern day. That would be I'll throw it on like I don't know one of the digital services and don't make too much of a fuss. Just get it out there. But instead, they were like, we're making a super duper limited editions we're going to go with three different sets like, and one's going to be 150 pounds it's going to be amazing it's like like if you actually didn't believe in this title which you'd think just get get it on disc i mean it's 2011 just get it on disc get it out the door let's be done with it no they made a big deal of it they did the, the advertising they created more stuff they were like well we'll make some back some money on these uh these bigger kits more people will buy it you know we'll we'll put a big deal that this game's going to be really really cool so Ah, oh, I've just remembered that when I, when my early day early copy came through the door, it came with a keyring of Duke's head that you could press, and it it was quotes from the actual Jimmy uh. Forever game, and one of them was, "Oh, I can see my dick from here," and you're like, "Well, you're just a disembodied head. Like, there's no dick involved. Like, <laughs> just completely, completely pointless piece of tat that I managed to sell on maybe, eBay for a little bit maybe more money." Maybe Duke so. Nukem's brainstem is a phallic thing. You know, I mean, I'm trying to think of how a disembodied head could see his own dick. That's all I'm trying to think. I'm trying to figure it out. Still um, funnier than Jutnukum. Did anyone have trouble with the boss fights? Um, um, there was one particular one. I can. I it was towards the end. Maybe it was. I think it was the Alien Queen. Was it the one um, on the bridge where uh, the alien keeps spawning the little, the little. Uh, I don't even remember what they're called. The little uh, octopus things. Oct octic kings. Octobrains. Octobrains. Thank you. Yeah, there's a big one, and then it keeps spawning a bunch of little ones. Um, I I had to do that one a couple of times yeah. uh, until I found very scripted. The, the correct spot on the bridge where you can hide and not get hit, <laughs> and then you just duck out and keep hitting yeah. it, which is mm. basically what my strategy was. It was either that or, like somebody mentioned before, circle around. Strafe, strafe, strafe. <laughs> yep. Yeah, circle yeah, strafe. The alien queen was the one where he had that. He had to throw the pipe bombs onto those like uh -huh. bouncing platforms. I, oh, I was terrible. At yeah. That. And then uh, she she would spawn like you know the, the smaller alien kind of the face hugger alien type creatures. And uh, I always I I I must have played that one five or six times. Like just getting to with a sliver of finishing it and then having to go through the whole process again. That was. That was a that was a moment for me, <laughs> you know. And and at the end of each boss fight, you get to humiliate it in some you know interesting ways, which kind of you know at the end of Duke Nukem 3D, you know he, he did you know shit down the uh, the neck of an alien, and you know back then it was kind of novel. I never found it that funny, and here he kind Pisses of into an ice Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Sure does. Poofing over a goalpost or something. That that's right? one of them. Like the yeah, that's one of them. Remember. No, that. So yeah, that's the first. <laughs> that's a throwback to the old game because it happens it. in the old game, but it's the first boss fight from this game to do the same yeah, thing. That's right. Yeah. But you know, the, the boss fights for me were just kind of, you know, happening in front of me. The ones that I struggled were were the um, the scripted turret sequences, which is I never like them in any game. Like once you get on this turret <laughs> and a scripted amount You're of locked in. battleships yeah. come towards you or anything, it just felt completely binary you, you were either going to do it or you weren't and not like halo where if you if you kind of think if you thought outside the box you could take down the the ship flying above you therefore all the enemies within there was no opportunity really like that in Duke looking forever it was all kind of like it was almost like a spaceship on a lollipop stick coming in really really stiffly stopping these carbon copy cotton 
uh, copy and paste enemies come out at you and you took them down and then this ship just kind of really stiffly moved out of shot and it's just like nothing nothing this game is doing in terms of boss fights and scripted scenes felt organic in any way to me it just felt like someone was manip very carefully maybe too much so manipulating exactly how everything should be and as soon as you didn't fall within those parameters you lost and then you saw the kind of the so-called death scene where the glasses fall off his face and shattered it's just like okay, that's we, we get it yeah where he wears that's kind of like the older uh, kind of playstation one playstation two game design isn't it where you can you can almost feel the cogs always working in the background as you know scenes move in and then scenes move out again you know, it's it's not yeah, a modern right. yeah it's not a modern approach um at all but you know and they're like just little things that are popping to my mind now like there's there's loads of fire, which obviously excited Brian at some point. You know, I love a bit of fire. Woo. But then yeah. to, sol to solve these puzzles, the fire extinguishers are literally next yeah. to the fire. There's no there's no search. Well, they for them. they were there. spot on with where the fires were going to be, though, Darren. So you know <laughs> that is some foresight. I reckon engineering it's be fire triumph. <laughs> and so like the Duke Nukem Forever uh, and its levels and its bosses. It just it just tries too hard to be organic and none of it comes across as kind of as genuine. It all just comes across as like this play that I'm, you know, kind of watching like like a like a primary school play. It all just comes across as really weak and yeah. But I mean any game though, if you're talking about, you know, you know, go back to games of, of the year, like if you're talking about say Bioshock, right? You know, it's it's a vision, isn't it? It's we are gonna build this world around this narrative and you know, and that that will support the vision we have. And, and those two, if it's a very good game, is transitionally linked together. And that's what gives you the, the real kind of like, oh, wow, they, they really know their stuff here. But when, you're, when your base level is um, dick jokes, tit jokes, um, stupid humour, and that's where you're, you know, then you're trying to, and it, it'll be one thing, like, like you mentioned Les Suit Larry, and there is a lot of Les Suit Larry about this. But Les Suit Larry doesn't, hide behind anything it's like it is what it is like you don't go into let's shoot larry knowing exactly what you're getting into I mean, it's on the box art it's mm. everywhere but you nuke forever is not like that it's like it wants to be a competent first person shooter and it wants to have dick jokes in it and the the two elements just don't mix together and that, i mean i bring back up something like Bulletstorm. you know that that somehow managed to make that stuff land together it had its issues but it, it certainly kind of the big, more bombastic ideas seem to just land slightly easier. And I'm trying to think of comedy games because I think they are quite <laughs> hard to achieve and certainly a, a between, yeah. uh, I hate to hate keep bringing up Portal 2, but that's, yeah, that's but, oh God, the, the best yeah. example. Yep. Well, that, was it Matt Hazard, Eat Lead? Eat Lead, Matt Hazard? Oh, yeah, oh, that was oh, Will Arnett. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember playing that one. Once again, not a great game, but at least it knew what it was. It was a parody of those types of games. You know, it wasn't particularly fun to play. But it, it knew exactly what it is. And I think there's the problem with Duke. We've talked before. I think it thinks it's better than it actually is. And with that, it's just the jokes. When the jokes don't land, it does it in the kind of self-serious way that you're like, wow, <laughs> that really didn't land. And the the narrative in the gameplay don't support the actual story. So, yeah, difficult. I and mean, we, we, we obviously could go so on about... <laughs> That for so yeah. long. Uh, Leadership Larry's come up a few times, and I and the I just kept thinking about like I I had an idea in my head, and I didn't know like how to quite formulate it. But like at least Leadership Larry presents mm -hmm. itself as 
juvenile soft coreish pornography basically you know like that's what it like that's basically what's on the box that's what you're being sold and if that's what you want to engage with and that's what you want to like if you like that and like yeah have at it that's what the game identifies as uh but like duke nukem forever is kind of a bunch of half-assed i half like half-baked versions of different types of games and, and the identity that it ends up having just revolves around that that style of comedy, if you want to call it that. That just like it, it just doesn't seem to really. Its identity is that it's just kind of all half baked to me, and I don't know. It's mm. like it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be in a lot of different ways, and and that's probably a, a consequence of that twelve year dev cycle and everything else. But it, but at the end of the day, the game was released, yeah. you know. So like, it's not like you can just wash away all of it it's 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 an odd case well we always say that on kind of don't we it's you know it's fascinating to know about the history and development of games but ultimately you have to take in content what is put in front of you as a person that spends that whatever the time 50 pounds you know 50 dollars in front of it it's just you know you have to critique what they put out and sometimes divorce yourself away from the stuff that you know behind the scenes so if you're just looking this objectively what this game was and not known and, and not known about the 12 year development cycle then you're looking at a game that feels terribly out of date for the time it's released uh it's humor you know misses the mark across many aspects and and actually doesn't doesn't do the legacy of duke nukem any good either so if you look at low review scores i think it's because you have to take into account what that game actually is in in 2011 and it it just wasn't a good game it still doesn't continue to be a good game but it, it just wasn't a good game when you compare what was coming out then, and even as a a fascinating kind of history piece, and I think a lot of people gave it the benefit of doubt because I think all of us are just fascinated to see when a, a project like this does come out, um, how it lands, and yeah, I mean this this is what we get. So we're going to move on to a forum post by Deadpool Negative. I remember a decade ago when Duke Nukem Forever was finally announced, I was running off enough goodwill from Gearbox and Borderlands to pre-order it, but something. Uh, so, but something in the air, some bad buzz that perhaps an advanced review convinced me to cancel said pre-order before the game was actually released in the summer of 2011. Near the end of that year, after a crazy demo and those disastrous reviews had made it a huge laughing stock, I saw it on sale on Amazon for 9.99 and took the plunge. I think the first thing that must be said about Duke Nukem Forever is how deeply the video game wants to be Half-Life. One of the things that kind of jumped out to me is the infamous Wired article titled Learn to let go. How success killed Duke Nukem. It's George Brevard, It's George Broussard being blown away by the opening sequence of Valve Classic and how they had to incorporate it into DNF. And incorporate it. They incorporate it. They do. The opening scene after the prelude feels interminable and not that funny. Somewhat amusing to walk around that studio, but it was clear that Broussard and Gearbox never quite understood what made Half Life so successful. Or at the very least, its formula couldn't be so easily stapled onto a larger than life figure like Duke Nukem. There's also a bunch of physics puzzles which makes things feel bizarre. Bizarre is certainly the word for this game. When it's all said and done, I don't think I've played a game with choppier pacing than this. The decade plus of work feels like Gearbox and Piranha games took all the disparate ideas and abandoned tracks of development but couldn't make it feel like a story with a clear narrative through line. As it is, it's barely episodic. Jute does the walking around, the aforementioned physics puzzles, a driving sequence and gross aliens homage, some laboured Call of Duty parodies and it's kind of a story and then it's over. The game also had load times that were pretty ridiculous for 2011, but that's kicking it while it's down. 
I couldn't bring myself to hate Duke Nukem Forever. It's problematic, but it's not frustrating or unplayable. In fact, there are some moments of inspiration, but in the end it's perfectly average. But for all the hype and all the blood, sweat and tears, average doesn't quite cut it. Very well said. So, the game does have a multiplayer mode. Um, we're not going to... Well, I don't know if anyone played it, but I'm going to guess no. that. No. 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 <laughs> there, there's a mode called Capture the Babe mode, because of course there is. And there was some DLC for the game. Um, one called Duke Nukem's Big Package, which is early access <laughs> to the demo. Big heads mode, which is you know what it is. <laughs> that the, the dick joke got you, oh, really? That dick go that <laughs> dick joke got you. If you're gonna go for it, you just <laughs> just carry on with the memes. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> it also had um you know an ego boost thing where it could go, it could extend further than the regular ego maximum bar. I'm trying to make some sort of erection joke, but it's not working. There is um, an actual add-on full of levels called the Doctor Who Cloned Me, which sees Duke Nukem basically fighting um, international versions of himself. So there's a Duke Nukem talking German, Italian, Spanish, other you know countries of the world, and it's quite you know funny for five minutes. I haven't played it, and I'm guessing again none of us here have played through this campaign. I came so close. Oh. As <laughs> God, um, you're full of it today. <laughs> That's what she said. All of these. Just um, just imagine, just cut and paste me saying yeah, that's what she said after all of this. Um, so as as someone that's really into his achievements, I find it very hard not to let anything just sit on my tag and not try to get everything. I played through Duke Nukem, got 48 out of the 50 base game achievements. Uh, the ones I didn't get was oh, play wow. it on hard and play it on insane. I started to play it on insane and then realized I was insane and stopped very quickly because <laughs> I was like, it's not worth it. It really isn't worth it. And then I looked at the DLC and I was like, ah, it'd be interesting for the show, maybe. And then I realized it was seven quid and I was like, yeah, uh, and I was so close just because it would have been interesting. But uh, in the end, I went, I, I'm, do you know what? I'm done. I'll just put this game back in the box and I am, yeah, I'll leave that stuff on, on the, yeah, the cutting room floor. But, There's you a- know. Uh, not, not directly uh, related to the DLC, but uh, something that I did notice is that there is DLC for Bulletstorm that adds Duke yep. Nukem <laughs> as a playable character, mm-hmm. um, which I, I wonder how well that works is what I will say. We, that we is something that, that I would try if it were show. cheap, but I think it's still like $20, so I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was discussed during the Duke 3D show as I've mm-hmm. actually played Duke, uh, Bulletstorm as Duke Nukem and it's as bad as you think. Oh, is it? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a shame. <laughs> you know, it's Bulletstorm. I mean, I, I say that's Bulletstorm a shame, but really it's as expected. I mean, the best bit about it is that there's like... Duke 3D, um, you know, sprites, you know, like a Mario 3D world where you see like a pixel art Luigi in the background. You're like, oh, Luigi, hey. It kind of does that with the um, Duke Nukem 3D enemies. And you're like, oh, there's an Octo brain from the old days in the background and that's fine. But yeah, it's not that great. But the um, Doctor Who Cloned Me is a kind of a, a truncated campaign. It kind of, it's the same amount of levels or maybe a few more, but it compresses everything that Duke Nukem Forever did, but into a shorter kind of, quite a snappier pace campaign. So, yeah, apparently, like, if you do that, it makes it less, um, yeah, you know, more bearable. I was going to say less unbearable. Yeah, but like, it kind of <laughs> takes all the fat yeah. out of Duke Nukem Forever and kind of makes it a more condensed version of that. Um, hmm. But, you know, it goes for the Half-Life thing again. It's got, like, a giant TV screen with a doctor talking to you, a la Dr. Breen from Half-Life 2. And it's just like, wow, they're still going for it. Like, they're still <laughs> actually going for their ideas that aren't their own. And it's not enough of their own ideas to be parody. 
because it's just it's just not doing the parody it's not taking the mick out of half-life it's just doing what they're doing in earnest and you're like no that's not what you do when you want to like you can pay homage to a game, don't get me wrong, but if you're just going to lift something straight out of a game and put it in yours, you've got to give it your own kind of spin or else it just comes there, across as just, well, almost... There plagiarism. is something ballsy about the uh, having DLC for this game that took forever to come out and people didn't just walk away from the project once it came out. Like, um, no, we, we're going to keep you on, guys. I know you think you've released it. We're going to keep you on. We're going to do some DLC. <laughs> this this <laughs> may be five or six years. We'll get there. <laughs> just like... Um, mm. Yeah, there's a good video review by G-Man Lives, you know, rather aptly named, as the game wants to be Half-Life so much. And there's a character in it called Dr. Valencia, and she is uh, a female who Duke Nukem... Well, if, if, to start off with, she's walking around in stockings and suspenders, and she's supposed to be a doctor. And I was just thinking, well, is that kind of the right attire for this lady? Like, there's there's every room in the world for stockings and suspenders, but I didn't really think they used it appropriately here. And, um, you know, she's kind of... She's just there in Duke Nukem. If, if there was a button to ogle her, like Brian said earlier, I'm sure there would be. Um, but well, during I mean, a let's mini not, Duke... Let's not gloss over the fact that she runs a local brothel in Nevada called The Burning Bush. So, I mean... There you go. She's a, she's oh, a I get it. Yep. <laughs> during a mini Duke level, he is Can't dropped into a water pipe, which features used tampons and turds. So, yeah, the turds make a comeback. And while you're swimming around this kind of sewer pipe from a toilet, you can see used tampons, which is um, fantastic. And the final boss fight in the DLC, the Doctor Who claimed me, has Duke Nukem, I've seen this and it is awful, driving a poorly kind of Mass Effect looking <laughs> Mako style controlling vehicle into the vagina of a giant alien beast. And you have to shoot the ovaries within the beast to kill it from it's inside. a literal alien vagina that you're like like um, oh, i've not seen okay. one but the um <laughs> well the way i mean but yeah, there, there is an alien into whose vagina you are driving yeah, yeah you oh, go right. in a space man i want to play reason. this now that's it i'm, I'm there <laughs> seven quid worth spent you can go inside an alien vagina and shoot the ovaries and win the game great mm. uh, so i think to cap it off we're going to have a forum post and then some free word reviews and our summary. So the forum post is by Nix Fontana. I think the thing I enjoyed the most about Duke Nukem were the parts where Duke had to shrink down to action figure size in order to navigate an area or solve a puzzle. Even though it's never explained why the heck the aliens are placing shrink pits in random places like these parts gave me some nostalgia for the Toy Story 2 game, um, PS1 game I played as a kid, as well as the movie Small Soldiers. I also thought it was a clever idea to have Duke's health tied to his ego and that interacting with certain enemies or objects in the environment would increase his ego a bit. However, Duke Nukem Forever as a whole I think is just not very good. The level design is for the most part uninspiring and ugly, as are the character models you see throughout the game. It doesn't help that the controls feel floaty as well, which makes the gunplay feel off, and can be a quick source of frustration when you have to navigate the light platforming sections throughout the game. And don't even get me started on the bosses, which are about as basic and as dull as they can get. The game works for the most part, it's serviceable, but it lacks the fun factor that makes you want to play more of it. The length of the game also works against it, I feel, as it is a lot longer than you might initially expect. I was hoping the humour would perhaps make the other elements of the game more tolerable, but it didn't just it just didn't click with me. I felt that the game was trying too hard to be crass over the top, and there were rarely moments of attack to balance the crude nature of the humour. As a result, the humour combined with the ugliness of the levels and graphics gave the game a really sleazy, greasy feel to it that was hard to ignore. I also didn't really have any fondness for Duke or his one-liners, but perhaps because I'm not big into 80s action movies, 
However, I think the voice actor did a good job portraying him as a confident, self-absorbed meathead. I think my favourite crude remark from Duke came towards the end of the game when I vanquished a squad of Octobrains to which Duke says something along the lines of Go take your tentacles back to Japan, you freaks. Overall, Duke Nukem Forever is a game I don't think I will ever go back to. I just ended up feeling nothing for it when the credits started rolling. Even if you see the game for cheap, which for me was five bucks, I feel like your money and your time will be better spent elsewhere. Fair enough. So we have some free word reviews. We're going to start with Brian. The King Raka says, a little late. Andreas Lenartson, excuse me if I pronounce that wrong. Why? Oh, why? Steve Robinson says, should have stayed unfinished. Thomas the Tank Mouse. <laughs> more Duke, please. He wants more. Get him more. There was more. The Doctor Who cloned him and there was loads of Dukes in there. Did you play it? Let me know. Uh, Nick, a.k.a. The Time Miser, says, waste of time. He would know. He is yeah. a time miser. He would know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan says, better as a vaporware. Uh, Rystray says, wow, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob C. Middleton uh, needed more time. Lunar Looney says, only two guns? Christopher Toff, the guiltiest pleasure. And James Farley says, overall, absolutely outdated. Oh, so, in summary, um, you know, I think if you've got this far into the podcast, then congratulations, because it was just kind of <laughs> a two-hour kind of, well, you know, we didn't completely hate it, but I think you know how I feel about Junior Can Forever. It's unfunny. It's it's not unplayable, but it's not, you know, not anything to write home about. And it's just a bit of a, a bit of a sad time really because I love Duke Nukem 3D and I still would play it now and enjoy it but everything that I liked about that game just didn't happen in Duke Nukem Forever and you know I was so excited for it pre-release back in the day to all the way up to release in 2011 and then I played it and I was just like wow I've played a thousand and one FPS games in this time since its announcement back in 90 whatever to now and it doesn't even come close to hardly any of them and it's just a shame it's just a shame that Duke Nukem Forever has failed to stay relevant and you can kind of see why they kind of they're keeping the ip fresh i guess not fresh but you know keeping it going keeping it on ice so to speak and then every now and again just pop them into a game that kind of is better uh i.e bulletstorm and whether you like bulletstorm or not that's up to you but for me bulletstorm is definitely better than Duke Nukem forever which i still feel is a disappointing time and not only is it disappointing mechanically it's also just disappointing on pretty much every possible front that a game can present itself. And I'm kind of glad that I never have to play it again. Ah, but you do. <laughs> um, so I've, I came into this in completely different, um, I guess, yeah, circumstance. I mean, I, I knew what I was walking into, I should say, because, you know, the legacy's been there. It's been ten years since the game release, and you know a lot more since it was developed. Um, so I knew what I was walking into, and I think part of that means that I was pleasantly surprised by the actual game mechanics itself. Like, although completely irrelevant from the time it was released, like I didn't. I've played a number of games where I, you know, I've actually tried to navigate through actual broken gameplay, um, and I never found myself in a scenario where I physically couldn't get through this game. In fact, I found myself a couple of times, a bit like Brian, like, oh, this driving scene's okay, and 
Darren like, oh, you know, I quite like the the comedy esque elements of the you know the being small in a in a in a large world. But there's no denying that the game is stuck in a weird time warp of just being you know a jack of all trades, master of none, trying one thing and failing all over. I'm sure we'll talk. All of us talked about the comedic elements, which I think just universally miss at every opportunity. There wasn't barely one line. In fact, I've had more fun on this podcast talking about you know our own one-liners versus the ones that have landed on this uh, landed in the game. Um, yeah, I I've got a, a small community of people that follow me on Xbox Live, etc., and, and different platforms where I play these games. And I can't say I ha- normally have people sending me messages online going, "Why are you playing that rubbish?" And that I had four separate people send me messages saying, "Why are you playing that rubbish?" And it was well, and they weren't so polite as that. Um, and it was I was like quite taken aback. It's like, why does anyone really care? Like, it's just like, wow, this game really does have that legacy of being utter trash. And I don't want to say it doesn't deserve that because it it probably does but i don't think it's for the game i think it's actually for duke's humor um and that's a weird thing to come on the show and say because i'm not sure you can actually separate honestly separate the two because it is part and parcel you can't play one without the other um but at the end i think you know i was surprised the game held up okay um not amazing but it held up okay but the humor really is just you know terrible so um no i don't recommend you go and play not even from a kind of wow, this game took how many years and how how to look? Like, you know, the entire time I, I felt like I could be playing something else. I've got other games I should be playing, or other games I want to be playing, and I'm playing this for the show. Hmm. And that's never a great place to be in because you, you don't fall in love with something like that. Um, but, you know, it's the game's fault. should have been better. Leah. <sighs> okay, so I, I I play bad games on purpose sometimes. Um, and, and it's, it's, for me, it is a similar thing as to like watching an intentionally bad movie. Mm. Like just, you know, it's, it's silly and, you know, you can get something out of it, or at least I can sometimes, even on that level, I did not enjoy Duke Nukem forever, uh, because it just wasn't, there wasn't anything I could really latch onto. The gameplay was functional, but I didn't think it was good by any stretch of the imagination. I thought it was pretty bad in in some respects. Like as I've mentioned, you know, like the the, the platforming felt bad. The controls did not feel responsive enough for me. Um, the the shooting was okay, but I've played games that have done so much better, uh, and this is not even my preferred genre. So like, mm. I it it needs to be at least pretty decent for me to be interested in it and this just wasn't and i i don't i was not super offended by the comedy i didn't think it was funny but i i that's that's a matter of personal preference Uh, there are a couple of things in there that yeah probably particularly like the 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 cigarette packets that we mentioned that you know really should have been removed but for the most part like i it just it just didn't work for me um and i if if this is a game that you enjoy playing, more power to you. I I hope that um I I that's great. I I just can't <clears throat> I just can't recommend that anybody be picking this up for the first time in this year of our Cthulhu uh 2021. Uh it just don't just don't. There's so much else out there. Uh even if you want to play something that's that's 
you know, silly and bad. We didn't even talk about um, the, um, I, this is the, kind of a side note, but um, the Earth Defense Force that shows up in this. Is that supposed to be the same Earth Defense Force as in the Earth, Earth Defense Force games? Does anybody know offhand? No. no? I don't you know. You know, at some point, it just kind of, everything that happened in a cutscene yeah. with okay. Duke Nukem, I just kind of I, just Well, that's something and... that, homework for the listeners, you can look that up. I think I will, too. Um, you know, I, I just... <sighs> I I I feel bad for this game. I feel bad that we couldn't like it. Um, but I just I can't. I'm sorry. I did find out um during the show that um John St. John also voiced Big the Cat though. So that's something that I will take away from this podcast uh, nice. to make myself happy. Um, Froggy. because the game did not make me happy. Okay, that's that's all. And Jutnukum himself. Um. Yeah, I you guys said everything that I want to say. Um it just a lot of people work really hard and video games are hard to make and I know nothing about that. So like I I always feel like when I'm really dunking on a game, I'm running the risk of sounding like I don't know, like I'm out of touch and like I'm being way too critical of it, but this game really doesn't have many redeeming qualities at all. Uh much like Leah, I wasn't personally offended by any of the comedy ex- except for the fact that that somebody considered it comedy you know what i mean um and i i i think about bad games like leah does all the time like i played and completed balan wonderworld this year i'm thinking about going back to it to try to a thousand Ooh. point achievement like i mean yeah. i play games that aren't well received and I, and I find a lot of enjoyment in them uh, from time to time for a lot of different reasons um but th- there's there's nothing about Duke Nukem Forever that seems earnest. There's nothing about it that seems mm-hmm. particularly well done. And I don't think it's really worth your time. Um, it is an interesting curio if you want to look upon, like if you want to play one of the most troubled development cycle, one of the, a game that will go down in history for, you know, whatever reason. If you want to see what that is, it's there and available to do so. Um, but if you listen to this podcast... I think you probably got what you need to get out of it. Well, there we go. So it remains for me, Darren, to thank Brian, Leah, and Tony, and Editor Jay, as well as all you lot for chiming in with your funny stuff. And of course, you know, you for your ears and listening and that. It's been great. I love doing this kind of thing. Um, Next time you'll be hearing me again, but not in charge. I'll be uh, sitting on on the side when we talk about Sonic the Hedgehog in issue 473.